episode of Dopey is brought to you by Oro Recovery. They're located in sunny Southern California, in Malibu, and somewhere in Western Los Angeles. They were created by our friend Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob. Their mission, to create a treatment center that helps addicts and alcoholics with compassion and connection rather than control. They have decades and decades of experience in treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness. They were rated like top five treatment facilities by Newsweek. They make sure your detox is comfortable. They have amenities you would not believe. Sound bath meditation, fucking surfing, yoga, and of course, equine therapy, and even more, of course, the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge. So if you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California to get some help, contact ororecovery.com. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our friends at Sober Buddy. What is Sober Buddy? Sober Buddy is an app that helps you get and to stay sober. They have a sober tracker, which is down to the second and 100% free. Please download the Sober Buddy tracker Post your clean time. I have thousands of days clean. What do you got? How many days you got? That app is amazing. It, it has challenges that make it easier to change your mind. Cognitive behavioral therapy challenges right there in your pocket. Sober Buddy is a little blue fluffy guy who helps you to stay sober. Download the app at the Google Play Store or at the iPhone App Store. Or go to YourSoberBuddy.com. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Evolution Accounting and Consulting. They are a full-service accounting firm that can help with your taxes, your bookkeeping, your payroll, and almost any other business need you have. Thanks to technology, they work with people from all over the country, and they pride themselves on building exceptionally strong relationships with their clients. They say that their passion allows you to pursue yours because they understand the stress caused by worrying about taxes and accounting issues. When you allow them to take this off your plate, you'll be freed up to focus on what you love to do. Perhaps more important than anything else, the firm is run by a fucking crackhead. Fortunately, he's been in recovery for years now and knows the struggle as well as the success. Use promo code DOPEY when you connect with them at www.evolution-accounting.com to receive special discount. I also want to tell you guys about a great podcast 
Recovery in the Middle Ages. It is run by two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. Listen as they discuss current topics of interest to the recovery community, including 12-step, alt-recovery, the newest medical research, and talk about their daily struggle to maintain their recovery and anonymity in the world of soccer moms and PTA meetings, if the neighbors only knew. Find Recovery in the Middle Ages on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere your podcasts are, they are there, or check them out at middleagesrecovery.com. Before we get to the show, I want to tell you guys about Mobilize Recovery. It's a great cause. It's created by Ryan Hampton, and it is going national this September. It's a project really close to my heart. It's a nonprofit organization and a way for everybody to pitch in and help end overdose and addiction in America. There is a way for everyone to get involved. There is no cost and there is no hidden agenda. Mobilized Recovery is all about us, our community, and what we can be doing together to inspire recovery solutions all across the United States. And here is Ryan Hampton to tell you. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Hampton, recovery advocate and founder of Mobilized Recovery. And I'm jumping on with Dopey today because we need you to help end overdose and addiction and inspire solutions for recovery across the United States. This September, the nonprofit initiative Mobilize Recovery is launching a national bus tour in partnership with iHeartMedia and Google. And we want to learn what your community, your organization, and your projects are doing to mobilize for change. Help us map the journey across the country. Learn more today at mobilizerecovery.org and submit your ideas to us. There's so many ways for you to get involved and to help us highlight the recovery experience that is so unique in different regions across all 50 states. Go to mobilizerecovery.org to learn more and to help us map this journey. And I hope we get to meet so many of you this coming September during National Recovery Month. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. My name is Dave, and I'm joined by my incredibly beautiful and brilliant and kind, compassionate, incredibly hardworking wow. partner, Linda. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. People have been pining for your return. Oh, really? Yes. Pining. The, the day has come. The question is, I don't even remember the last time you were on, do you? It was the Gabor Mate show in December. That it's was been, a, it's, it's been, been like six yeah, months. Yeah, it's been a while. Seven months. It's been I've, I've been busy. Well, I don't think our relationship can handle you coming on the show more than <laughs> once a year. Twice a year. Yeah. Um, but uh, we had horrible news this week, and uh, dopey legend and my new friend and author and YouTuber um, and all around hardcore drug addict and hardcore hustler and father and. You know, mm-hmm. fiance and son Ryan Leone died yeah. uh, last weekend, um, and it really fucked me up. Yeah, like no, it, it, it really fucked me up. And um, so we, me, Butchie, who's a, a stalwart member of the Dopey Nation and a good friend of mine, came over. We recorded a Patreon episode. I re-released Ryan's episodes this week, so if 
if you've noticed that there's like fucking three new episodes this week, two of them are re-releases with a little bit of commentary uh, from fans on the first one and from Ryan's good friend, uh, Seth Ferranti, who's also one of his son's godfather. So it's just more loss in the dopey community, which is rough. Rough for me, weird, triggering shit. Also, mm-hmm. the summertime aspect of it is oh, yeah. is strangely triggering for me. Right. Like, I remember when Chris died, I, I spent hours and hours, like, doing the garden shit, but also knocking dead branches out of the trees. Like, that summer, I did that, and I find it to be incredibly satisfying, and I want to just, like, I want to, like, weed and knock branches out of trees. I've seen you outside this week doing that you were in the backyard by a tree with like a big tool i think yes and i was like what are you doing because there's so many other things you should have been doing like what What like helping with the pool right and you know just you know it just there's it's like but it's interesting that you're saying that like i wonder if you were doing the same exact thing on random trees with branches that you might have been doing like you mentioned when you learned about Chris, because you were out, you you went deep. Since you heard about Ryan, you've been deep in the backyard, like messing with branches and stuff. I know. I think it's like it's therapeutic. I guess. I think when I feel that kind of pain and loss, I mm-hmm. want to be outside. I want to be moving. I want to be working. I want to be like fixing shit. It's mm, like, I don't It's a weird, cause I'm certainly not that person no, who wants not. to be outside. Who, did, who does like house, household chores. No. Well, you know, I, <laughs> yard I did, work. Well, you know, I did, I did turn on the sprinklers today, which is mm-hmm. good. And after I, my mom mentioned our lawn was dying. Dave, did you notice that? I oh. said, I'm glad she said something because now like Dave, Dave got, got into action and got our sprinklers on. I feel like two years ago, I didn't know how to turn the sprinklers on and we had this sprinkler service and, uh, and I was in the city and they came to the house and they told you that I was a fucking idiot. And yeah. I was like, I was like, not, he, he non-verbally and I was like, this, clear. <laughs> like I'm fucking done with yeah. this guy. And I and I didn't call them back. And then last year I managed to figure it out myself. You did. You did. And then this year I've managed to figure it out myself. So I feel I feel good about it. I feel. Um, but back to what you were saying about Ryan. Um, the other thing with Ryan right. is that it's like Chris and Todd didn't have kids, and and mm, there's just mm-hmm. something like like I put Susan to bed, and I right. have her with me, and I know. I don't know how Ryan was with his kids. I never met Ryan. I don't know what he's like. Right. You know, really. I know what You never his, met him in person. No. I never he was gonna come to New York in June, but to do a reading of his new book, but the bookstore was worried he was too much of a risk for himself. Oh, wow. And Ryan complained about that online. And uh, but when I was putting Susan to bed, all I could think about was that Ryan's not gonna get to do this ever again right. and that his kids are never gonna get to do it with their dad. You know, and meanwhile, I want Susan to go the fuck to sleep, too. Yeah. <laughs> I want to yeah. get out of there. You know, <laughs> right. And like it's she's like, Daddy, can you turn my pillow over again? Oh, I had to just turn her pillow over like nine times. What is she's like? She's like, what does she ask you when she goes to bed? To tur- Well, turn she, her pillow over to snuggle with me. Yeah, Daddy, would you snuggle with me? Daddy, my foot's hanging out. Yeah. Daddy, this is a lot. Where's of, Caddy? A lot of things. But just kind of David asked me. Earlier, um, I, I started a new job where um, I'm a facilitator with a group uh, that's for 
people who lost loved ones to suicide or overdose. And um, it's an amazing group. It's really been like life changing. Um, just watching the transformation of the group members. It's an eight week group. And from week, week one to week eight, it's just the power of, of connection having people come together with who've experienced that level of trauma. I mean, no one else can understand I'm facilitating, but I'm really just making sure the conversation flows. Um, cause I, cause these people are bonded from their, their loss. Like you can't bond with anyone else. Um, but it's, it's the, it's the, the traumatic loss that's so striking and that it's different relationships, right? So there's people who lost their children. There's people who lost their spouses, people who lost their best friends. There's people who lost their uh, siblings, their parents, their, their parents. Yeah. We've had parents in previous groups, all ages. I have, um, um, a young man there who's 19 who lost his brother. And we have people who are in their late seventies who lost their children or spouses. So it's all mixed, but what's, what's, the common thread is the the sudden loss. Like one minute the person is there and one minute they're not. And and so the trauma that comes with that, but then also when it's dealing with, I hate to say taboo, but those types of subjects like suicide or overdose, there's also a lot of guilt involved. There's shame. There's, there's just a shit. Like if somebody gets hit by a car and passes away, it's sudden as well. But there aren't the questions of like, what could I have done? Should I have done something differently? I'm sure there's a lot of, no matter what, there's like, well, there, but, why didn't I ask him to go to the store? Why didn't I ask him right. to do this? But it's it's very different. Right. Like it, the degrees are much different, and there's not the same stigma. There's not the, the same taboo nature around any other loss like there is with suicide and overdose. I mean, there people have often said that combining those two losses, um, they're not sure why you don't have two separate groups. But it actually does make sense because of the, um, like I said, the, the sudden loss and all of the unanswered questions. And um, so, yeah, so so when I hear something like that with, with, with Ryan, since starting this group, I think about his family, his wife, his parents, his, his kids. But then you have to remember that there's nothing that anybody else could have done. Right. And you just want people to, you know, to his wife and to his parents, I mean, and to his if he was in recovery programs or whatever, you want people to know that it's it's not your it's not your fault, but it's it's deeply deeply sad that he wasn't able to get better. Get better, yeah. He he also it's like uh this week was weird because I heard from uh from Fentanyl Jay a little bit, right. and Jay started listening to Dopey. Jay had never listened oh, to Dopey. Oh, he hadn't listened. That's no. interesting. So he started listening to Dopey, and he's like pulling clips and sending me clips. Shout out to Fentanyl Jay. Fentanyl, Jay, is Hi, the, Jay, he's the king of the shout out. He's not going to listen to this, but, oh. but the Dopey Nation well, hates, Dopey Nation hates that Fentanyl Jay makes shout outs and Fentanyl Jay likes to make shout outs. Oh, okay. Um, but he was, he played that clip where I say, if it becomes a recovery podcast, I'm not going to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what are you, bro, blah, 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 you know, like, <laughs> and, uh, and then I sent him the, this American life piece cause he had never heard it. And, and I was in that kind of somber mood you know what i mean like when i sent it to him because right. i'm because I'm, I'm i'm going to the hardware store just like i did the summer with todd and chris and i'm dealing with summertime shit just like then and i sent him the this american life piece and i made the mistake of listening to it again yeah and it's like it's so fucking painful yeah that's a very heartbreaking it's, it's, i cry i've listened to it a bunch and i always 
get very choked up. It's very painful. And uh, at the end of the piece, like she plays this clip where me and Chris are talking about like the nature of Dopey and mm-hmm. laughing at a story. And it was right when it was the episode where Todd had died. And I said, and Chris is using and he wants me to laugh about some dude hoarding urine or something. And I'm like, I just don't feel like laughing about this right now. And he's like, well, do we need to take some depressive, somber look? And I was like, no. I was like, but why Why do you need to? It's like you're laughing while you're on the train tracks and the train is barreling down on you. Yeah, I remember that. And then he said something else. And with Ryan, the train was in fucking slow motion. Yeah. That train was coming so slowly at him. And I mean, he texted me for a month that he thought he was going to die. Right, but then why were you, why would you say the train is coming slowly? Feel almost felt like with Ryan, it was like no, coming at him pretty fast. No, he knew it was coming right. forever. And I'm just saying, like he, from where I was standing, like ten days before the last text I got from Ryan Leone was, "I think I'm going to die." No, I you showed me that text, and um, I just you know you wish it, things had gone differently, and and it also just makes me want to say. To everybody out there who who may be using or, you know, trying Mm -hmm. not to use that, like we say it, we have to say it because so many people have died around this program Yeah, uh, to be careful, you know? Right. So it's it's like we we had started recording the show and uh, and I had Linda tell this story about this pool we set up and then Mm -hmm. I and then I was and I stopped it and I made us start over because I didn't want the show to start with something whimsical and then talk about Ryan's death. Yeah. Um, because I think it needs, I mean, like we've done a lot on Ryan's death this week, but I think it's important that it, that it gets out there. Ryan was ridiculously talented and he had crazy fucking dopey stories. Um, and I think that anytime somebody from the dopey nation dies. passes away and we know about it and, um, we, and I knew him, it's, it's, it's important and necessary to give a lot of attention. Now, uh, one of our sponsors is Sober Buddy. And I've been working very closely with Sober Buddy. And, and one of the challenges, Sober Buddy is an app that helps people stay sober with cognitive behavioral therapy, which I know you're very familiar with. And one of the challenges is they want two people to tell each other Five things they like about the other person and five things they like about themselves. Are we going to do that? We're going to do it now. You didn't give me any warning for well, this. Well, you've loved me for so long, I figured it would be So I have easy. to say five things I love I about you? I can go you. first. I will say five things I love about you, mm. and, and, and then you will say five things you love about me. Okay. I love... Is this, this, you, actually, you said this is a challenge? This is a... It's well, a this should be easy for you. Uh, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Well, uh, Linda makes really fantastic meatloaf, and she made turkey meatloaf tonight, and I, I love that. So that's one. I'll do six because the meatloaf shouldn't. That, yeah, that's, that's I don't like that. Linda one. has an incredible ability to be optimistic, and and uh, just incredible enthusiasm at the drop of a hat. So that's one. Number two, uh, she's incredibly beautiful. Number three, is that a talent? Oh, are these talents? Just or? things I love about you. <laughs> okay. Three, um, she uh, is ridiculously talented. She's been, the other thing she's been doing this summer besides this group is she's been making these ridiculous stained glass pieces. The house is like a fucking mausoleum full of stained glass pieces. covered in stained glass. So that's three. Four, 
<laughs> you're an incredibly dedicated and loving mother, which I love. And five, you're uh, very loyal. <laughs> That's what you think. What do you I'm mean? Kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yes, I am. My turn. But you're not loyal. Of course, I'm joking. Now you're freaking me out. I'm trying this to make today, a little. I'm trying to today, make some humor. Today, uh, I went. I had to go to Linda's mother's because Linda was doing something, and Linda's mother says to me, "Linda's acting very mysteriously." I know. And I was like, "Uh oh." Did she go, Dave? I like when you do my mom's Dave. Oh my God, your Mysterious. mother. Mysterious. We fucking go. We go to a. Uh, oh my God, to Susan's dance recital. Right. And I'm I'm ready to fucking kill myself. Uh, That's not nice. It's th- this dance recital shit. It's like 500 people. Mm. Uh, it, I'm I'm traumatized by the dance recital. Also, we go to it. It's literally like a three hour affair. Yeah. And uh, and and in the past, we've had to sit for hours. Right. It's 95 degrees. For some reason, <laughs> I've chosen to wear corduroy pants and a, button, and a button down shirt. We get there. And uh, we have to buy tickets. And, and Linda goes, don't worry, Mom. Dave's going to buy it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I buy, I buy her a ticket, which I know I should feel good about, but I don't. Then, uh, then we get to the seats, and I go, I'm going to go get water. And I go get water, and when I come back. Oh, yeah, your seat was gone. My seat's taken by Nora's friend. Then I get up, and, I, and, and no, then, then your mom says, I, oh, no, I remember. After I bought her the ticket, I said, Sue, I bought the ticket. You buy Susan flowers from us. Okay. And she goes, we'll see about that or something. And then she gets up to buy the flowers. She buys one flower from herself. And she goes, I feel bad, Dave. I know you would have bought the flowers for me. And she <laughs> didn't buy one for me. <laughs> and then I had no seat, and, and, I, and I wandered off. And I was very uncomfortable, and uh, and I was very, and I and you guys were all sitting together, and I was alone. But didn't you run into a friend from from the from your meeting? And then I ran into. And then I looked over. I'm like, "Where's Dave?" Because I obviously I felt bad. Dave wasn't sitting <laughs> with us, and all of a sudden, Nora goes, "Oh, Daddy's sitting with his friend." I'm like, "How is that? Is Daddy have a friend at Susie's dance recital?" And I look in the like twelve rows back, and Dave's like having a good old time with uh with the infamous Ian with with. Ian from his meeting. So so then so. and then after so wasn't I, all that bad. No, I felt better, and then we went to dinner, and I and I treated your mom to dinner too. Okay, what what's all this beef with my mom? Do you have some resentments you need to work through? There was something else. Oh, your mom got all angry at me, like I wasn't going to get Nora to swimming when she was running away. Listen, what you you need you need to stop. My mom's a very good woman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now say five things you like about me. Well, and now that you've just bashed my mother, but let's Lynn's mom is unbelievable. Le- left a left a bad taste in she's my mouth. She's the only she's the only mother-in-law in the history of mother-in-laws that take food instead of bring it. So she goes, "I'm going to take a little dessert to she'll go." She'll take three chocolate chip cookies and she'll a napkin and she'll put and she'll put in her pocket and a glass of milk. And she'll, and put she'll the milk, take a glass of and milk. And she'll put the milk on the floor of the car. On a paper dish. On a paper dish. It's unbelievable. Um, all right. And so, I, love, I love Linda's mother. And I, I love the fact. Sue. Dave calls her Sue. <laughs> I love the fact that it's, it's just like, it's like, it's unbelievable. She also, I'm sure I've talked about this on the show. We went on vacation and, um, and I beat her at ping pong and she's lied about it ever since. She thinks she 
She's, Says she, she won. She believes that she beat you. It is a char- It's a big character defect. Okay. In mother. So your fi- what are we? So there are five things I you really love about me. Really love about you. Yes. Um, I love what an amazing father you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how you notice the very little. My dad used to always say this about Dave. He can spot little details and and can always find the beauty and little things that other people can't see like your mother um like if it's funny i was just i just was telling my therapist about this today about you where if we're outside and like there's a a leaf and it's maybe there's like a raindrop on it and the light hits it dave will point that out and say look how beautiful that is like a very do I do that often still yeah you always do or he'll like take you know he takes these he'll go down to the beach and he'll throw up bread and take like thousands of seagull pictures you know like a seagull isn't a bird at most people who grew up on Long Island like they're like the rats of the sky like we don't care about them and Dave like will photograph them for hours but they're actually very beautiful and I never noticed that until Dave started photographing them so i i really love that about you was that two things oh wow i think that was i thought that was five okay (laughs) 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 but what i talked a lot about the second one no um let's go quicker okay (laughs) i like i have to give this stuff thought dave's spirituality oh stop his no i don't love that's not what i love i love how he has helped me with that like he, he can bring it into my he's very he's very good at helping me with my lack of spirituality i guess i didn't and know that i helped you with your spirituality when you when i bring something to him like if i'm like if i'm fine a friend being like an asshole or i'm really angry or negative or down on myself he he brings that to my to my life i don't know what, what you would what call do you mean that. i bring what your spirituality. Like compassion and stuff. Like, yeah, you can help me see things in this. Is that spirituality? You could help, but I think a lot of it is from all your, from what you've been learning, too, and the work that you do. I don't know what that would be, per se, but you help me emotionally. You're, you're very, you're compassionate to my, to my to you. Sh- shit. To your, to, to your, your problems. Um, you're a very giving, giving in the bedroom. Nice. And, <laughs> um... The last thing I love about you is what you do. And this is going to sound so hokey. Do you want to talk more about the bedroom? <laughs> um, this is going to sound very hokey, but what you've done with Dopey, because I think you're saving people's lives and um, through the podcast. And I and I, obviously that's incredibly attractive and amazing. Well, thank you. And the let's, end. Let's, let's uh, download the free Sober Tracker on Sober Buddy. And People are probably like... Why are we listening to the two of you? I don't know. Like it's it's it, we're supposed to do sober buddy challenges, and that's a challenge. That's not easy. Everybody should do that with their partner because that was that was not that was that's you know. I like the bedroom one. <laughs> I feel good about the bedroom one. You glad I threw that in there? I like that. We had a very very exciting guest on the <laughs> show. Linda Linda's addicted to like two three shows. She's addicted to fucking intervention. Yes. Hoarders. I'm not addicted to hoarders, but I like hoarders. And, uh, and Real Housewives of New York City. Yes. New, Real House, Housewives of New York City is um, so, so satisfying to watch. So yes. Linda always liked Leah McSweeney. 
And I, I always was trying to figure out how to get Leah McSweeney on the show. And then I saw she had a book. And I feel like that's the magic to get somebody on the show mm-hmm. as you go through the book. So I'm very excited to have the chance to talk to Leah McSweeney. But before we get to that, leave it. But before we get to Leah, I want to say you should buy dopey candles. There's really nice dopey candles. Dopey candles. You buy dopey candles. You go to North. Aren't the candles nice? Where did nice? that cut? That just came out of the Aren't the candles field. nice? Oh, I love the candles, but I didn't. That's a weird time. I feel like I don't push the candles enough. Buy dopey candles. Linda wears fucking dopey clothes every day. Oh, I do. She's not. So tell them how good the clothes are. Oh, I, I, they're my favorite. I'm not wearing one right now, which is actually weird because I'm wearing one all the time. They're the most comfortable tank tops. Um, yes. And I, and I actually burn the dopey candles all the time too. The, the gear is available at dopeypodcast.com. The candles, uh, there's a link on the, on the website for the candles too. I'm just mentioning it. And then more importantly, because nobody buys anything. No one like. Can people buy the the dopey? I, I was wearing a one of the latest dopey things that was the Buddha. Yes. So I'm not even lying, and I'm not trying to push dopey merchandise. Why that's, not? That's not. That's just not my my style. But I was wearing the new my new dopey tank top yes. with, that Dave made yes. me with the. Um, May you be at peace. It was and it was the dopey face with like a on the Buddha with the peace yes. whatever it's weird. Inspired but. by Ben Crawford's Buddha drawing. It's the cool. I, and I'm not even lying. You can ask my friend Caroline. Four people. Well, not even necessarily when I was with her, but throughout that day, asked me about the shirt and had an interest in it, including her. What'd they say? Like, that's really cool. What is that? Where'd you get that? What'd you say? It's a hard one to explain. What did you I don't, say? I just, I'm like, I just said it's um, my partner as a, I don't know. It's, it's, it's annoying when people ask me about Dopey. Honestly. Nobody ever asked me about it. What do you say? You say, oh, my pot, my partner. My partner is a podcast. That's what you say? Dopey. Um, yeah. So yeah, buy dopey gear. I'll, I'll post some. I've taken some really nice pictures of Linda in the in the dopey gear. So I'll post that this week. That's what kind of weird? But. but before we get to the interview, I need to tell you that Dopey is also sponsored by BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com is an amazing service that connects you with therapists online. Because like, if you're feeling burned out or you're working too much or you're not taking enough time for yourself, BetterHelp.com can help. BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. Does it help you, Lynn, when you talk to people about stress in your life? 100%. And uh, and I've been doing uh, online therapy, and it's been helping me, especially lately. My last online therapy appointment was incredibly helpful it gave me strategies it helped me cope with shit when i'm not talking to linda i'm doing online therapy right lynn yes dave better help is customized online therapy that <laughs> offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to it's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours our listeners get 10 percent off their first month at betterhelp.com slash dopey podcast that's better com slash dopey podcast get the 10 percent off get some better help and uh i loved this interview with leah mcsweeney i was a little too excited don't judge me but i uh i loved this interview you can tell that dave loved the interview all right, here we go. 
it's very thrilling day in the, in the history of Dopey. Aww. And like we have an author, a big time TV star, a streetwear mogul, <laughs> a New Yorker, a Jew. A Jew, yeah. Leah McSweeney. Hold on. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Leah, explain the whole thing. Okay, so I'm now sitting in an apartment that is in the in the building complex that not only did I grow up in, but my father grew up in, and my grandmother was one of the fir- my grandmother moved into these buildings when they first opened, and Dave's grandmother did as well. So we just have major Chelsea like, vibes. And where yeah. you went to Sacred Heart Elementary? I went to so first I went to St. Joseph's um, okay. down in the West Village, and then I went to Sacred Heart for elementary middle school. See, I went to Hunter, and, yeah, I, right and we there. would we would see the Sacred Heart girls and, yes. and and pine for them, and also be afraid of them. <laughs> so that's it's a lot of weird, like, and we're also addicts and alcoholics. Yeah. And but you're on like the show for really fancy people. I know. And you're from a really not fancy place. Yeah, I know. But you know what? All the women on the show, they're all like from non-fancy places. Right. Like this is at least we're from New York, non-fancy. That means we're still sophisticated. I'm with you. So there's a, and there's also a lot of street cred. Absolutely. Um, I love that. And I love that. It's like, you don't, I don't get to meet people. Like if you talk to people who aren't from New York city, they're like surprised that anyone's from New York city. Oh, always. And I'm like, Oh, everyone I grew up with is from New York city. Like mm-hmm. it's my little joke because how could they not be? Exactly. You and, grew up with them. and my other joke was going to be, you're from the real housewives of New York and now you're in the real Jews of New York apartment, <laughs> but you grew up in the real Jews I of did. New York apartment. Yeah. That's so fucking crazy. It's really crazy. So my grandmother originally, she had moved into the building on 20, uh, behind, I think behind McDonald's. This is, this is oh, the is one. This, is this Next it? door to McDonald's. Oh, wait. Then I think maybe it's that one. Okay. Yeah. And then she moved to 24th Street. Then she moved to 311. And that was where I became, that was where my heroin addiction really crescendoed. And my cocaine addiction really crescendoed. But you started early too. Oh yeah. No, and, but that was, I was doing that way before. And you always, from my, I read your book. Her book is great. It's called Thank Chaos you. Theory. It's, it's got a lot of stuff. There's a lot to talk about, a lot of questions. Um, but it's too exciting to have like a local, <laughs> a local person. It's cool. Being in this apartment is trippy. Well, what does it make you feel like? I mean, I, it feels like home. Like, it feels like my childhood. It feels like, you know, it's home. Well, that's beautiful. Like, yeah. last week I had uh, Brandon Novak, who's a skateboarder who's in Jackass, whatever. Okay. And he sat in the kitchen, and he was like, oh, I used to get high in apartments like this. But it's different to be from here. Yeah. It's a different thing. Um, and I was listening to your book. I was reading your book, and then I was like, I got to listen to it, too. Uh and I, I heard one comment that I wanted to start this whole thing, which okay. was huffing poppers on West Fourth Street. Yeah. What? When were you? Huff, what, what? Tell me. What so, happened? Amyl nitrate. So that um, jungle juice was my preferred um, brand. It's actually called jungle juice. I never. The uh, poppers. Tell, You've never done poppers. I've never done poppers. Okay. So that was towards maybe in my late. That was like towards the end of my drinking career. So that was more like in 2008, 2009, right before I got sober. After I was done at the bar or the club at 4 a.m., I would make everyone come with me to West 4th Street. No one else was huffing the poppers, just me. And I would just stand, and I would sometimes walk over to St. Joseph's where I went to school and I'd show everyone, this is where I made my communion and this is where I went to elementary school. And I would just huff the poppers because it would also bring me down if I was doing coke and like How do you huff poppers anyway? You just inhale. So it's like, it's like, is that the shit you're breaking open? It's a, it's a jar and you open it 
and you inhale it, and then it's like wah, 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 so it's know? like nitrous. It's like it's yeah, like whippets, so. kind of. Um, yeah, it is like whippets. All right, good. Okay, because I was thinking, you I know, think. you know, in the old movies that show the '70s and they're cracking the shit and they're kind of pushing it up, but I don't think it's the same drug. I don't, but I don't know if it's really whippets though. It's a, it's a liquid. It's like a fucking crazy chemical. I don't know. Do you think they still sell it? They absolutely do. I was just at a sex store like the other day and they had all of it there, and it, it's now saying nail polish remover because that's how they make it legal to sell. I like that. Okay, Dopey Nation, <laughs> if you guys have ever huffed. Poppers, send in an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Well, it's mainly gay men like it. It's somehow it relaxes your asshole. Nice. I mean, I, maybe I could use some of that. <laughs> um, I, I need to get my teeth cleaned, mm-hmm. and I've decided, like, I'm Googling where can I get my teeth cleaned definitely with nitrous. Like, I've decided, oh, yeah. like, I, I'm in a real broke down fucking ghetto dentistry you need to talk to your sponsor about that he says it's okay (laughs) really my sponsor said it's okay but that you're i mean because teeth cleaning doesn't hurt it hurts me my teeth my gums are very sensitive Uh. like the rest of me (laughs) so you think it's a relapse possibly well i think if you're but look it's not that it's drug seeking it is drug seeking i think you should you know i think you should think about it a little i should cool it i think you should cool it but benadryl is okay with you benadryl is totally fine all right. When's the first time you got high? Um, I was, I think, 12. Well, I, okay, hold on. When I made my communion, I chugged the wine out of that fucking cup. They had to rip it out of my hands. What, how old were you when you made communion? Like seven. Why do you suppose? Because the alcohol, you I were like, it. you knew. Yeah, it I just, wanted it. All right. And then officially, like, I got... I was drinking and smoking weed, I guess. My first real time getting like drunk, drunk, I think I was maybe 13. And you, I see you as like a kid's kid. Yeah, a little younger, a little younger than all of them. Like I was in eighth grade when it came out, but definitely I was like, oh, well, this looks good. See, I was like really scrubby nerd. And I'm sure you could tell now. Like I'm, st- I'm still kind of very scrubbed out. But like that was our like aesthetic. Was scr- I mean, I went to Hunter. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't live in the New York City nightlife. I played in bands when I was like a teenager, mm. but I was never like I I was not a part of it. You were not like in the skate like rave. No, I okay. was like in yeah, the nerd the nerd band community. Interesting. I didn't know that nerd band community turns into heroin addicts. It's rare. It's rare. You're special. I'm very very <laughs> special. In fact, when I was I was going to save this for you. When I was when I was in my nerd band, it was a ska band in 1992. I could see you in a ska band. See, that's I'm not, not going to lie. I, can, I know. I can it's see like, you in a ska and band. And I was so short, it was cool, too. And here we are, and I'm feeling embarrassed by it. But I wrote a song. It was the first song I ever wrote. It was called I'm Better Than You. And it went, uh, oh, there I watched the private school girls go by. <laughs> they walk on by with a gleam in their eye. I say, hello, my name is Dave. They say, who cares? I'm better than you. <laughs> And I was like, Leah McSweeney is the I'm better than you private school girl walking by. I don't know, though, because I, I felt like they were all saying that to me. It's the attic thing. It's the attic thing. We always. The less than. We, yeah, always. Less a piece of shit center of the universe. Piece have of shit. That? I have. It's, yeah. like, it's like Chris, who died, who started mm, the show with me, yeah. said that. And I was sure he made that up. Because we would talk about the egomaniac with the inferiority complex, yeah. and he would say, I'm the piece of shit in the center of the universe. Yeah. And I share that at my meeting in, in Long Island, yeah. and everyone's like, that's the funniest thing I ever heard. And I'm like, yeah, oh, it's it, Chris. It's so good. But you've heard it before. I've heard it before. It wasn't Chris. It's an AA thing. Yeah. I guess I don't listen enough. <laughs> okay. So, th- so you're drunk at 13. 
And did you know right away that it was like, I like this? Oh my God. I, I think the first time I really got like drunk, drunk. Cause look, I was like drinking. Like I was like, I think I had like drank, but I hadn't gotten like shit faced until this one time. And I like peed on myself. I threw up everywhere. I blacked out. And like the next day I was like, that was amazing. And everyone I was with was terrorized by me. How old? 13. Okay. Where were you? I was actually upstate. I was with friends who lived in like North Salem. I wasn't in the city. And you were like, this is something that I like. Yes. And was it, was it weed more than booze? No, I liked, I liked alcohol. Alcohol is like, this is putting me where I want to be. I love drinking. Cause I love being into like just going into oblivion. In the book you, yeah, I loved oblivion too. Yeah. Um, in the book you describe, and I liked the way you described it and it didn't, it didn't apply to me, but all of the cool kids in New York kind of sneaking out of the apartments and going places. And, yeah. and, and when, how old were you when you started doing it? Um, 13. Okay. Everything was 13. So what were you doing at 13? Where were I you was, going? I was like hanging out at Astor place. I was hanging out. I was getting my hair cut there. <laughs> at that, at that barber shop yeah, that was there. Oh, that yeah. was Astor place. Yeah. Um, you know, the cube and of course St. Mark's. And, and you like, were like a little rave kid. I was a little rave kid for sure. Yeah. And, and, uh, you're smoking bud, you're smoking blunts probably. Smoking blunts. Definitely. Drinking forties. Drinking forties. Hanging course. out. Yes. All right. And all that, of that, and, um, and when did consequences start to show up? Pretty much right away. I mean, you know, I got thrown out of school. I got sacred thrown, heart. I got thrown out of sacred heart. And then my parents were like, we're moving you to Connecticut. That was the biggest consequence of my life was so having to move. They moved because you're an alcoholic. I mean, they were like, you fucking got thrown out of school. The other, the high school that we're zoned for is like not good for you. Like you're not, we don't think you're going to survive like public school here but also they probably knew i was gonna thrive in my and be in my element at the public school if you had gone to humanities you would have been the queen of the school i know you would have been beating people down wearing mm-hmm. your door knocker earrings mm-hmm. representing exactly. representing representing penn south representing penn south i um, know but uh and they thought it was gonna but also like my parents had looked they had like rented an apartment here obviously for their whole lives and they wanted to buy a place and couldn't do that in New York city. So they're like, we'll move to Connecticut. My mother is a therapist or a social worker therapist. My wife is a social worker therapist. Oh, cool. And, um, my mom's best friend was a priest who ha- was in charge of a church in a rich area of Connecticut called Ridgefield. That's where my best friend moved from Brooklyn to Ridgefield. See all these weird, it's really this weird. Is weird. Really so weird. I wonder if he knows the church. So my, the priest was like, look, be the social worker at the church and you'll make all this money. Like whatever. I'll rich people, I guess. I don't know. And, um, you'll be doing better than you will be in the city. You know, that was the whole point, but we moved to like a shit town. I was like, okay, are we going to move to a rich town? Like, that's cool. Like what's our house going to look like? You know, no, that's not what happened. So, and also like, it's a big deal to get an apartment in Penn South. Like it's a right. big deal. It's like, Oh yeah. You like, so what did they do? These, they just, they left. They just gave it up. Right. It's crazy. Imagine you had moved into my old like apartment or something. I thought that's what was going to happen at first when I was like saying like, Oh, 11 J is what I lived in. 11 J and three eleven. That's where I lived. But I lived twenty one. I can't remember. I lived in, I want to say, what was the floor that woman lived on? 14. Yeah. So I lived you, in 14 in that apartment. 
the next one. And they oh, live. They lived here. Yes. yes. And let's let's jump to that story and we'll get out of that. Way. So when I moved to Penn South when I was three years old, mm-hmm. I met my best friend who I'm still in touch with. Oh, my God. Um, and she lived her grandparents lived and she primarily lived with the grandparents in 14 F and you lived right next door to these people. What is that one? E? Yeah. I lived in 14 E and I'm going to tell you my story. Okay. It's crazy. I was a heroin addict and I had a VCR that didn't work very well. And like I said, I, I, I slammed the door. Like when I would come in, I would slam the door. I was loud. I was a mess. Always stunk of weed, you know, between me and the dealers across the hall, right. everything stunk of weed. And I was fucked up all the time. Um, and I had a VCR that I would play, you know, videotapes at night. And when it ended, instead of rewinding, mm-hmm. it would play static at oh top volume God. every night. And there was a guy who lived in the room in F next door to yeah. my wall and he would bang on the wall, but I was so fucked up on pills that's, and heroin that's Vanessa's uncle that I wouldn't hear him. He was an army guy. Yes. One day I was, hi and the mother grandmother who yes oh my god she comes and she goes can you help because i was always very sweet even though i was so fucking wasted she's like can you help can you help my husband he fell out of bed and i was like yes and uh and i'm high and i go in there and the husband is very little guy yeah walter and and yes and he's lying next to the bed and this is the most heroic thing I've ever done in my life. Wait, so let's this just is actually, okay. I can't believe I have to call Vanessa after this and tell her this it's, is, this is insane. Disturbing. I pick up Walter like a baby in my arms, <laughs> rock him for a second. And then I put him in the bed and I rubbed his forehead and I said, Poppy, everything is going to be okay. No, I, I yeah, no. Walter's German. Lydia, oh, Walter okay. was German. Okay. I don't, yeah. you know, I was fucking hot. Uh, I put him in the bed and I was like, okay, if you know, I'm gone. Whatever. He was a Holocaust survivor, by the way. Um, it, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Okay. The next day, that probably I put on my videotape, it was probably like a Simpsons tape or something. Yeah. And, and it comes on. In the morning, I hear ding, 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 ding. I open the door. I get hit in the face with a chair. Oh, my God. My nose breaks. Both of my eyes go black. I'm producing a show at MTV. I'm directing Jason Schwartzman. He's the host of the show I'm directing. And all I do... I close the door, I sit on the couch, I cry, and I shoot up all my heroin. No. I didn't even go out to fight the guy. Because what, what am I going to do? Do you still have, like, track marks on your arms? Or I something? have, like, in my hands oh and my stuff. God. But Sorry. they're they're old. Okay. Um, but that's, and that's your friend's that's uncle. My, that's my friend's uncle who jumped off the building. Is that not the craziest shit? No, it's shit? so weird. It's all so fucking weird. But we can't have this interview be about me. The Dopey Nation's heard this story before. <laughs> have they heard this story? I think I've, t- it's one of my favorite stories because my nose is. But it's is- crazy that this is my family. I grew up, this is like our, my second family I grew up with. So you knew the uncle? Yeah. I mean, he's had his issues. He jumped off the building. He probably felt guilty. It was all because of you. Because he hit me in the face. <laughs> he probably felt guilty. So what happened? But listen, don't you think, and this is my healer. I'm with you. Is also from Penn South. Yes. And I got in contact with her at a very low point in my life. Uh-huh. And she told me that when she found out I was from here, she looked at her husband and said, it's another one from Penn South. It must be the water. Because <laughs> I'm like, I need you. You know, I'm help me. What is she healing folks in Penn South? She, she I mean, it's people that are from here. Yes. Have some issues. I know that like, because like you said, Jewish project 
And, and also, like you said, Walter was a Holocaust survivor. There were probably a shitload of them. There was yeah. a guy in this building named Rezi Rezica. Mm. His house smelled like Pope, uh, pipe smoke. Mm. And he had all these books about art and history. And he was friends with my grandparents. And okay. we would go there. There was a guy on the end of the hall named Mr. Moskowitz who had a glass animal collection. It was yes, like, that's very co-op. Very Penn South. Very, very Penn South. Oh, my God. But let's totally. tell... I mean, you're, you're a big time... TV star, fashion mogul, and stuff. Let's not waste our time on Penn South. Oh God, but so it, good though. But it is wild to me, like when I lost my studio. Like I got put on the list when I was eleven. Mm -hmm. I got my studio when I was twenty. Right. And I was like, fucking hell. I remember I moved in there on Twenty Fourth Street. You know that tree in front? That's like this blossom tree. It's like the most beautiful 24th tree. Twenty Fourth and, and uh, right there. Yeah. yeah, of course. I remember moving in there and the smell of the new floor and the smell of the new paint. I, I still smell it and I can be transported to that. Yeah. So exciting. Like yeah. the, the most exciting time in my life. And I was going to get this cheap apartment and be this, uh, the dressing room, this TV, right. And be this TV producer. And like everything was in front of me. And when I bottomed out, I bottomed out multiple times mm -hmm. in that apartment and I had to go to rehab in Florida. And the, the counselor was like, don't pay his rent. And, and I, I had paid the 10 grand. My parents were paying the 300. Right. And they're like, don't pay his rent. So I got excommunicated from New York City. Yo. Did you feel when your parents gave up that spot, like, how could you do that? Yeah. It was like our flag. Yes, absolutely. Right. I'm like, I can't believe you gave that shit up. Like, we could, we should have just kept paying rent and like somehow keeping kept it. the apartment. But your like, dad was honorable, and he knew that <laughs> it was for public housing. Right. Is that why? Yeah. No, my parents are so honest to like a fault. That's what this place is like, too. It's a high moral fiber, I think. It is, right? I think so. It really is. Um, but I did move back in with my grandmother, but I, they, they, I went to a court trying to get that apartment. They were trying to say that like her the vacate date was not the day she died, but the day she moved out to move into a nursing home, which wasn't supposed to be forever. It was supposed to be temporary. And they tried. They said that was the vacate date, and we went to court to fight them. But I got thrown out. I got evicted. You needed to get on the lease. You needed to get on the lease, yeah. and like and, but, your income but, and all that but, shit. But my grandmother never put me on the lease because she hated me. But why did she have you live with her? I mean, I kind of just strong armed her and moved in. Why did it she hate whole, you? Because I was on drugs. So, so let's she, she also called me a prostitute multiple times because I would come home at like 7 a.m. She's like, you come home and wash it off of you and then go back out. And, and just so they I'm know, like, she, she, Leah and her grandma were living in a studio, the, the studio that I live in. That you in, bottomed out in. Yeah. Me and my grandmother lived in together. And, and you lived in, you slept on the bed. I and, slept on the bed and she slept on the couch. And I mean, I woke up in that bed on 9-11. Tell me your 9-11 story. Were you here? Yeah. You were like... I was high. This is it was this, a fucked up story. So, yeah. So I had actually gotten out of um, Hazelden Halfway House and moved in with my grandmother. I had nowhere else to go. My parents wouldn't let me move back home in Connecticut. So I was living in a halfway house in the city on 17th Street. I caught pneumonia. I was like, I'm fucking done with this halfway house. I'm done with living in fucking rehabs. I have to go somewhere. Grandma, please let me stay with you. I move in. A couple weeks later... I fucking relapse on what uh, drinking. I think it was September 9th. I'm crying naked in the apartment. God, how could I do this? Please help me. You know, then two, two mornings later, um, I wake up my friend who actually passed away from a heroin overdose a few years ago. He called me, Jimmy. He's like, Leo, wake up. 
they're we're getting attacked we're gonna get bombed like we're by getting bombed like we're under attack i'm like what the fuck are you talking about i open my eyes and my grandmother's sitting on the recliner and she's like changing the channel and she keeps changing it like where are my shows and every single channel is the, is World the Trade same Center image over yeah. and over again so i wake up i go outside uh, my my mom my mom was in the city that day seeing clients because she still saw people in the co-ops like she was their social worker like a lot of elderly people right incredible so she's she comes and she's like come grocery shopping with me I have to buy stuff for my clients you know so we go into the the associated yes and as we walk up I as we go outside everyone's looking down Eighth Avenue just standing there no one's moving it was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life we go into this associated we're in there for 15 minutes tops we come out and i notice and we're walking back towards eighth avenue where you can see the tower i didn't even know you could see the towers from eighth avenue i'd never even until, computed until it was smoking yeah and so i'm i notice when we come out now that no one's looking up anymore and i'm like why isn't anyone looking up everyone has their head hand in their or their head in their hands some people are sitting on the floor crying and it's a totally different vibe and i go and and the buildings are fucking gone they're just gone. And Vanessa, my friend who's, Live you know, uncle yeah. who punched you in the face, she comes, she calls me, or somehow we talk on, maybe we, we met up. I don't know how I would talk on my cell phone because cell phones weren't working, but maybe we met up. Maybe she came downstairs and she's like, I, I, I just um, had a one night stand with some guy who's, I think he was Afghani. I don't know, but he was talking about Osama <laughs> bin Laden. And I was like, what? I've never even heard the name Osama no. bin Laden. I had no idea who that was, but because of the guy she took home, I kind of found out about Osama bin Laden that way. And then like, yeah, then I was like, oh wow. Like, like our, like our city just got fucked up. Like I'm definitely getting high. And what did you do? Where did you go? Oh my God. I went, that became, that year was like a nihilistic, crazy yeah fucked up like i just started getting so fucked up what were you using um drinking and coke and ecstasy and pills probably and what was like because what was the life like like what what was that year like how how because that must have been like the first low year like really low year right no what are you talking about okay what was the first really low year before we get to that like Um, how old were you like 15 and you were using every day drinking every day I, i was doing math Okay. Yeah, I went straight to math. Where did you find it? Raves. Where were you going to raves? In the city and in Connecticut and Massachusetts and wherever, but mainly the city. Yeah, you I, you have that vibe. Yeah. I, I can see that. I, I, um, <laughs> like what a Massachusetts rave vibe? No, just, a, just rave, tra- like, a rave vibe oh, in I was, general. I was like the biggest raver ever. So you're going you're, and, you're, and you're snorting the meth or smoking it? Snorting. And it hurts. Oh my God. It just, when it starts going down your throat, you're like, Oh my God, what, what did I just put in my body? It hurts my throat. You describe the first time you did meth as like the greatest experience you ever had. And yeah. it never was that again, Never. but you kept doing it. Yeah, I kept doing it. And I needed to be able to stay up to and dance till 10 AM. And you were like a crazy dance person. I was crazy. I loved it. Yeah. I went to college with, uh, with some serious like rave girls and they, it's like, it's a thing. It's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> what was I thinking? How, what would you do? Did you come down off it with anything? No, I didn't even know like about like pills Yeah, <laughs> back then, but weren't you, know? you I, I couldn't handle any upper. Like I needed like 
it pills, was, pills. It was bad. Like heroin. I remember like being like thinking the police were outside. I was hearing things. I would see things. I thought people were next to me. I was talking to them. Cause once you stay away for like three days and I was crazier than anyone else I knew. Like I wanted to stay up for days on end. I wanted to keep going out and keep partying. And you didn't have like a, did you have a core group of friends? I remember you had some freak in Connecticut that you loved that wanted to keep up with you. Yeah. Loved, loved them. Um, I had, I had a, yeah, I had a total core group of friends. But it was the rave, raver friends. But also girls from Sacred Heart that I was still friends with. And they were like wild. Yeah. And then Vanessa from here. I bet I know her some you kind of You definitely, way. yeah, you do. And her mom still, her mom lives here. Um, and that other lady was her grandma? Yes. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Um, so, and then I had my rave friends that I made that were like my people. And you'd go out and you'd get wasted and you'd come home to Connecticut like a puddle. Oh my God. And I would sleep for like two days and my mom would be like, not just happy. not happy at all. My brother and sister would be like trying to wake me up. You were um, the oldest. It was a dark time. Yeah. See, it's interesting when the oldest is also the most rebellious. Yeah. Because I think that's like, it doesn't usually happen. Like really? That. I don't, I have no fucking idea. Yeah, I, I don't just, know. It, my sister was not the most rebellious. Oh, she um, was the oldest. She was a little bit rebellious, I guess. But I, I, you know, I totally bottomed out. And you almost got kicked out of high school, right? I, so I did actually. So when I was 15, I ended up going to Karen Foundation. My mom was like, you're fucking going to rehab. I came home. I went to school. Uh, it was really the first month I went to I went to rehab the September of of sophomore year so of high school of high school. So when I came back in October, I was like everyone knew I had been in rehab, and now I was like the freak from New York City who not only was from New York but now was a crackhead basically. And I started dating someone who was twenty two, which. I ended up getting thrown out of the school and expelled that year because I, a girl called him a child molester and I threw her up against the locker. In Connecticut? Because yeah. you're a tough girl from Penn South. Well, I was just like, you know, I, I mean, I was like, don't talk shit about my man, even though he was definitely a child molester right. now that I think about yeah, it's it. Like you your, know? your daughter's what, 14? She's 15. Right. It's like, what would you do? Dude, I would fucking, it right? wouldn't happen. Right. It wouldn't happen. I have a daughter who's 12 and a daughter who's four. Aww. And it's very hard to comprehend my life with, the, with I them. I mean, can you even? Well, what do you do? I mean, like you, you're at least a woman, right? Yeah. Your daughter and your daughter, you're very close with your daughter, yeah. but we don't want to jump to parenthood. I want to hear more about the debaucherous childhood. <laughs> but I will say that, you know, my daughter, I mean, she's experimented, you know, with pot and drinking and, and stuff. she tells you and she tells me and I, and I, you know, without like, um, making myself like, you know, um, get in trouble but you know i i supervise i've supervised you smoke weed with her hell no because in the book you were cali sober i'm not cali sober that's anymore. over and i would never i would never smoke pot with my daughter or okay do listen. anything like that so yeah. what is supervised pot smoking well, with your daughter that just means that like i you're like this is dark side of the moon I and know, these are chocolate chip cookies well, kind of like i know what's happening and i know when it's happening and like we have a very open line of communication it's not something she does often right and she's young. Yeah. So when does she, how do you supervise and how did, and what did, tell me, explain it to me. Well, I mean, I kind of. Where does she go to school? She goes, well, I can't, I don't want to say on the. She podcast. goes to private school. She, she goes to a school that's not far from here actually. Okay. But I'll tell you off the air. That's fine. Um, so. It's not humanities. It's not humanities, but she did go to public school up until eighth grade. Okay. Now the public school's here. I just can't deal with, but, um, she, I caught her 
actually, without her telling me, I could tell she was stoned. Where did, she was just in the she house. She came home and glassy eyed. She was just like she Hi. wouldn't look me in the eye. Right. She was like standing out at, in the hallway for a minute. I'm like, "Hi, like what are you doing?" She was tying her she was untying her shoelace and I was like, "She seems like she's like not looking at me." She sat down on the couch. I asked her a question and, and she answered and I was like, "What are you stoned?" And she was like, oh, and she started crying. She's like, "Please don't be mad at me." You know, I'm like paranoid, miserable. Oh my god, I, discovered, ru- I totally ruined, ruined her high. I ruined her whole high. And I was like, "All right, how do I how do I do this? And I'm like, I'm going to have to call dad. And she's like, no, don't do that. I'm like, yeah, I have to. Sorry. He came over. I mean, meanwhile, me and him were laughing to each other. Like we're not that spooked about it. You know, No, you were on meth when you were exactly, exactly. So, but I'm just like worried about fentanyl being in everything. It's not in weed though, but I don't know. It's could be K2. Like I'm very worried about that shit. So I was like, next time you want weed, you better ask your father or me. Does he smoke bud? Yeah. Okay. Does he give her bud? Well, he has. Yeah. Now it's legal. Yeah. You can definitely make sure there's no fentanyl in the bud. Exactly. So, you know, and it's not something, like I said, it's not something she does often. She's on honor roll. It's not affecting her. You know what I mean? It's so interesting though. Cause it's like, you were this horrible drug addict, Beyond. alcoholic, oh, degenerate problem child, yep. right? Fucking serious business. Yeah. Like, out for weeks fucking a 22 year old on fucking meth Meth. coke ecstasy tripping yeah take a lot of psychedelics at that point too i did and that that's part of the rave thing the rave is such an interesting even though i but i really did like up speed more than psychedelics but and i you know what i did a lot i smoked a lot of angel dust really i never smoked uh pcp i never did it so i I always ask okay so like where would you get pcp Raves. Yeah, raves. And you would just have a jar. Of the, is it powder? No, it was a liquid was jar. The formaldehyde. And, yeah, and you'd call it a dippy, and you'd dip your fucking Newport in there. Oh, my God. And smoke it, and then be the R word. What's the, retarded? <laughs> you'd be right. retarded. Okay. It's like, wait, what's the R word? It's too bad you can't say retarded it's so anymore. Sad. I know, Especially sad. when you're talking about when smoking you're talking PCP. you're talking about smoking angel dust, because that's literally, you, I mean, you'd be like, it, it would take you like two hours to tie your shoe. And then another hour to cross the street. I feel like I missed out with that a little bit. You did. There was, there were like managers at Katz's who, I mean like Angel Dust was a big Lower East Side drug, like a, like a Spanish, like a Dominican drug, Puerto Rican drug, like Lower East Side drug. Totally. And like a a couple managers at Katz's got like, they lost everything to Angel Dust, to dust, getting wet. You know what I mean? Getting wet. Yeah. Wet. Exactly. That's what we would call it. I missed out. I like, it never came my way. And it's weird because, um, actually Went to school and purchase. I was a crazy stoner. I was doing just about anything. Mm-hmm. And I was walking in a field one day, and there were these very pretty girls in the field, mm-hmm. and they were smoking a bowl. And I was like, and they were like, oh, you want to smoke? And I was like, definitely. And they're like, it's angel dust. See, and this I, is why I don't want my daughter to like, go to purchase. No, but this is why I'm afraid of my daughter smoking shit that other people have. Do you know what I mean? Right, because now might, you know there's fentanyl on the PCP. It might be fucking, but it might be dust. Like, right, what well, the fuck? It could very well be dust. Yeah. But so I said no because my whole experience around oh stop it <laughs> my my whole experience around dust was like it was like you're like from sorry, trading I only places shoot up. no I wasn't shooting up or anything <laughs> I just thought that dust like it there was something in my head about it I don't yeah, know why it was like a big Beastie Boys reference too oh that's right a manager's crazy always smokes dust I don't know why I didn't smoke dust well so I was I was always scared of needles. See, I, I, and I, I had friends shooting Special K 
that were like, here, let me, you know, shoot you up with K. And I was like, no, I'll just sniff it. I'm not shooting. Shoot you anything. never shot anything? Never. But I did sniff heroin twice. Where was that? Um, at a friend's house on like Avenue C. All right. Ra- rave that scene was, or post rave scene? That was post 9-11. Okay. That was that year. We're going too, too crazy here. <laughs> I, usually I'm incredibly measured. In Sorry. My, no, I'm just It's kidding. my fault. I'm just kidding. It's okay. <laughs> um, I want to know about Karen as a high school kid. Like, are there a lot of fucking high school kids in Karen when you're there? Yeah, well, I was in the adolescent program. Ah. Yeah, so there was just all kids. Was there rehab romance? Um, so I had a huge crush on this guy who was so fucking hot. Oh my God. And he made out with this ugly bitch that was in the fucking He didn't know, he, did he know time. he was missing out? Clearly not. And also this bitch stole my liquid sky shirt. The same one? The same girl. I was like, this girl's fucking with my life. She steals your man and your liquid sky yeah. t-shirt. And Fucked you, up. and you came, I mean like, I can't even imagine being in rehab, uh, as a, as a high school kid in high school, I did nothing. I didn't mm. become into drugs until college and, and post. Right. So when they're teaching you recovery at 15, 16, what are you like? Well, how are you like, interpreting? Yeah. It? I was like, okay, I have it. Like I have addiction issues. I knew it when they, this is because I talk about it in the book. They were like, some people have a red light in their brain. You don't, you have a green light and it never, you never, never, never goes yellow. Never, and yeah, never yellow and never blinks. It's just green all the time. And I was like, holy shit, I have alcoholism. I have addiction. So I never took another drug or drink thinking that like I wasn't an alcoholic or drug addict. Okay. So post rehab, were you like, I'm going to be I tried this. to stay sober. I went to AA meetings. I was obviously very young. I went to like an AA convention. I had a sponsor. Of course, I left the convention and went to a rave. Um, but I stayed sober at the rave. But the, the 22-year-old happened to also be a crystal addict. So. But you were sober when you met him. Yes. And then that changed. But I stayed sober for maybe like a few months after or six months That's after. That's impressive. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. That wasn't when you got in the halfway house. No, that was not until after high school. So the was the relapse from Karen on Crystal? No, it was on a forty. Okay, you're like a, what the fuck? I drank a forty. What were you, were you thinking? Like I'm a kid, I can't stop doing this now. Yeah, but I was always very like I was always very tortured about it. Like I was tortured about doing drugs and drinking. You kind of were tortured about it on the show too, right? Yeah. It was kind of similar probably. In a way. Because you knew. I knew, at, but I couldn't stop. Right. But at 15, they, they've taught you. You're an alcoholic. There is no yellow light. There is no you're red light. You're never recovering from this. So as soon as you drink, you're like, this is it. And it's yeah. like, because um, um, you can't, did you try to drink uh, controlled drinking? Well, the other thing is like I, I relapsed on the drinking, but then I quickly got back into drugs. And it was meth and ecstasy yeah. and coke. Mm-hmm. Uh, not coke, actually. That didn't come until um, post 9-11, pretty much. Okay, let's jump ahead to 9-11 again. Yeah. So it's that year. But I listen, I went to t- rehab two more times after 15. I okay. Went, when I was 17, I went to Arms Acres. That I was like, that was just for meth. By that point, I was doing meth a lot. And I was like, I'm going to look like shit. I need to stop. So did you say to your parents, I need help? Yeah. And you were in school? Yes. And you were going to school? I mean, like, I would go, but, like, I wouldn't do anything. Did you have friends in, in Connecticut High School? Yeah, or you like, fuck you guys? No, no, no. I was kind of, well, I'm not going to say popular, but I was, like, well-liked. You were, like, the cool, dark, I was rave well li- girl. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would bring drugs back for people. And, 
And you probably hung out with the scumbags and, and they I hung out too. with I hung out with everybody. I was like friends with cheerleaders and the goth kids and the dr- you know, just everybody. All right, so you had friends. Yeah. You you weren't like the total dark horse. No, 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 no. Mm-mm. So you're fucking developing this horrible meth addiction. Mm-hmm. You knew you were a drug addict and you said, Mom and Dad, I need help. Yeah, so I went to Arms Acres, but in my head I was like, Well, I can still do other drugs. I'm not gonna stop doing other drugs. I'll stop doing crystal. The day I got out of Arms Acres, I went to a fucking rave and I did every single drug you can think of, literally. Like you did like K I did acid, K, weed, ecstasy, weed, I mean coke. everything. Coke? No, not coke, because coke wasn't at raves. Everything but meth. And Why then, is crystal at raves and coke not at raves? I don't know. That was just the th- because coke you would just it's too expensive yeah, and yeah. you would need too much of it. Right. Keep going. I'm listening. Um, and so I went to a rave and then I went to some party in like Thompson, Tompkins Square Park. There's footage of this fucking rave on YouTube that I found, by the way. And I had like a nervous breakdown. Can you see you dancing in big pants in the background? <laughs> no, but I have photos from me on that day, actually, like before I had the nervous breakdown. Anyway, then I was back to the races. What was the nervous breakdown? I mean, I don't know, probably I just had like massive anxiety attacks and shit like the next morning being like, oh, my God, I did all these drugs and I'm coming. It's coming down on drugs. It sucks. And knowing that you're an alcoholic. Exactly. And then like, you know, I managed to graduate from high school because I begged my principal and guidance counselor. And then I started drinking really heavily and doing pills and like smoking. I was still smoking dust. Um, like oxys and perks and but not like every day but just like they were in the town so i would take them i would do anything anyone gave me pretty much a good, a good garbage head exactly and then in the winter of 2000 like december i was like i need to go away for real and that's when i went to karen foundation again and i never went home because they wouldn't let me right would your parents not let you yeah and that's when i went to the convent or the like nun or you know the by gramercy park no the therapeutic community that was run oh by yeah nuns. in new hope or something yeah new hope yeah, yeah i went to that that didn't last long and then i went to the to the um halfway house where's the halfway house it was on 17th street it's not there anymore 17th between um i think third and second and you describe having a sex addict roommate oh who's fucking she, dudes in starbucks she was nuts she was bonkers like she was oh my god like and she had some weird issues with me beyond what were the issues i don't know she once by accident i was like getting changed for like an interview for uh, i got a job at the guest store in soho on broadway which is still there and I was like, remember like changing and I was throwing my clothes everywhere. Cause I was like, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? And one of my shirts must've landed on her bed because like we had like five girls in her room and she was so mad at me that when I got home from the interview, there was a pile of her clothes on my bed. And I was like, bitch. Well, she was probably nuts too. She was, did you fight her? Did you fight a lot? She was old. No, I didn't fight. I mean, I got into fist fights when I was drinking, but I didn't fight at the, uh, you know, and she was like much older than I was. And you were like, I need to move into my grandma's. Yeah. I need to go back to Penn South. How, I need to go back to Penn South. And that's how that happened. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, like I had all these notes, but it's too exciting to be, cause it's like reminiscing with an old friend, somebody <laughs> from Penn South. You I know, know what I an mean? An old neighbor. An old neighbor. And I'm so fucking, it's, it's 1999. And the world seems like it's going to end. And George y- Bush is Y2K. It's Y2K and George Bush is president. I had a friend who was like, and I was strung out on heroin. And my friend was like, I understand why you're strung out on heroin. And like, it also seemed to me at that time, there were a lot of like crusties 
in the street then, mm-hmm. like a lot of crusty punks in the street. Oh, yeah. And it seemed like the world could end. Doesn't it seem like that now? Not to me anymore. Really? I live in the suburbs. Like, I don't think about yeah. it. Um, but when I'm here, it, it, it feels kind of, you know, Apocalyptic. a little sketchy. Yeah. Um, did you feel like that in 1999? So in 99, um, in 99, I was really fucked up. Like I was like so high, so I wasn't really thinking about that. But I felt I felt like that after nine eleven, because I was like, "Wow, this is the world did just end." I'll tell you my nine eleven story yeah, later. Yeah, tell me. Oh, okay. Because I've told it. It's, it's, everyone's heard it. Everyone's heard it, but it's a good story. Because I had to go to the methadone clinic. Oh my god. And the methadone clinic was across Fourteenth Street. Oh yeah, I remember. Wait, um, Fourteenth and Thirteenth and Seventh in okay. that church. There's yeah. a red door. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you the story really quickly because okay. I like. Okay, tell me. Okay, it's nine eleven. My fucking, my sister lived on 29th Street. Mm-hmm. My parents lived here. My grandma had died who lived in 311. Mm-hmm. And my great aunt, Elsa, lived over there. Okay. My parents are in California and they call me, Dave, you got to go check on your sister and your aunt. I'm fucking strung out and on methadone and they right. don't know. <laughs> and um, So you were trying to get off heroin. I couldn't afford it. I wasn't trying oh, to. Oh, so I you just, were like, okay, I'll just I was do methadone. U- I would do methadone and use right. heroin when I could. Yeah. And so... Uh, I saw it was 9-11. I freak out because like we're from here. It's like we're being attacked. It's like so yeah. it's like it's like really it's it's traumatic shit when, so 9, traumatic. when you're from here. And I guess it's traumatic anywhere in America. No, but, it's here, a, but here. It, it's the yeah. World Trade Center. We had to see everybody covered with dust walking up. We had my had family members in the building. I mean, it was crazy. You write about being a New Yorker beautifully in that book. Thank you. And it's like a piece of you gets attacked mm-hmm. when that happens. Absolutely. It's like a piece of us is cut off when mm-hmm. that happened. And uh but all I'm thinking about is methadone and heroin. And I, I probably had just gotten an unemployment check. I probably had like 500 bucks or something. And I, uh, I leave the building. I, I like deposit the money and I take out whatever cash I could get. And 8th Avenue is just people going up. up. And, and You're I'm the only one walking down. Walking You're down. on a mission. Yeah, walking down like do-do-do-do-do. I hope oh the methadone clinic is open. And the world is coming this way. Oh and I'm just kind of walking. And then I get to 14th Street. And it's like tanks and troop trucks yeah. and dudes with fucking machine guns. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I got to go across the street. And he's like, do you see this? What? You're not going across the street. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm sick. I need to go across the street. And he's like you're not going across the street. I was like, no, I'm on methadone. My clinic is across the street. And he's like, oh, do you have a card? And I was like, of course I have a card. So I take out a card and I show him my, my picture ID, you know, methadone, yeah. whatever. He's like, okay, waves me across with the machine oh gun. And I'm like, do, 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 do. I walk across the street and it's like 9-11 everywhere. But when you get in the methadone clinic, it's 1978. <laughs> it's yeah. not 9-11. And they gave me my methadone. They think they gave me a take home because they were scared the world was going to end. Wow. And then I got on the L and I went to Bushwick to cop dope. And then I came home. And I and I did dope. And that was 9-11 for me. Holy shit. I know. Wait, but did you... Were you able to get on a train yeah. coming back home? I, I, or maybe I maybe I walked. I think you walked. Or I took a, ta- a taxi. Or that. But like I, I feel like I, there was I, no way to get anywhere that day. Somehow the L was running. That's and I, I I want to say the L came back. I don't. I would. I think did. I would have remembered the walk. But maybe I walked. I don't remember. I don't remember a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, you are tethered. I just had to tell you the story. No, I, yeah. I think it's, it is an interesting story. You're tethered to fucking recovery and addiction at the same time. If you're so young yeah. and you've had AA implanted on you and you've mm-hmm. had 
recovery and yeah, addiction. 12 steps, all of it. Right. And like you knew you were an alcoholic and it's like when you're that young, I'm sure they're like desperate to teach you. But do you think you had a chance of staying sober at that point? No, no. And I honestly don't trust people that get sober at age 15 or 16 or 17. I'm like, you're not really a fucking addict. And they have 20 years and they have, they have a 35. It's ridiculous. I mean, there's I'm a like, dude. Why I are went, you guys here? Stop. I'm sorry. I went to a meeting the other day. The dude looked 30 and he had 31 years. I was like, what the fuck is this? It didn't make any sense. Um, all right. So how bad does it get before you have to actually get sober? So the interesting thing is that um, I managed to, so I, you know, I met Kiki's dad. He was a very good influence on me, Rob. And I, and he, he started a life. He started a life. Yeah. I, um, but you know, so I continued drinking. I stopped doing all the other shit. How did you stop doing the other shit? I don't know. I was just like, I better fucking stop. How old were you? Um, 20 years old, 21. Do you think that like rave culture kind of became passe well, well, or something? Well, I stopped going to raves, so that's a huge thing. I don't need to be, uh, you know, I don't need to be taking ecstasy or fucking like, you know, I'm not staying at all night dance fucking parties anymore. I have a boyfriend who I'm like super in love with and we're going to clubs. It changed. I kept going to clubs, but then like, then it became like spa and, um, you know, suede and sway and like that shit's closing at four. So it just became then I'm doing blow, which was like nothing for me because I'm like, who cares about that? And drinking. And, you know, Vicodin sometimes, you know, I was still always like getting fucked up. But I managed to start this company, Married to the Mob, my brand. And when it started taking off, it was like all the energy that I used to put into like finding like my next hit and like going to raves and like just, you know, being like the puppet master of like putting things together. And like I put all of that energy into Married to the Mob and it kind of saved my life. I know what you mean. Yeah, it really did. And like also, though, probably culturally you were invested in this rave world, this ecstasy, psychedelic, like it's almost a revolution in your brain. No, totally. Like it was like a whole lifestyle. It was a fucking movement. It was like fucking community and a culture. And then like, I didn't have that anymore. And then I kind of, well, it kind of m merged into like New York city, yeah, like streetwear, kind of you know, like it was kind of like the next like phase of my life or community that I would go into. And like so many things happened between that was like two that I started the brand in 2004 to like five years later, 2009 is when I like got sober for real. What it's actually questionable because I was whatever. I'll get you were what? That. No, I'll tell you in a minute. But so between 2004 and 2009, I have this brand. It, it blows the fuck up. I have a child. Um, Did you see the movie married to the mob? A while ago, yeah. But did it annoy you that you named your brand after the movie? That you, did it annoy you that the movie even existed? Kind of, yeah, because people will bring it up. Right, <laughs> like I'm sorry, I'm so, I apologize. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's like, mean, wow, I'm, she must have loved Michelle I'm, Pfeiffer. I'm the one that brought, I'm the one that, that named it that, you know, so. Um, and explain to the Dopey Nation why you named it Married to the Mob. So I called it Married to the Mob because I thought it was a great name, but also because I would joke around and be like, I'm married to the mob because like, I just didn't have a job and like was somehow managing like funded. To, like, yeah, I was just funded. But like, I was also styling. There was like a, a, you know, before I started the brand, I was getting into like, you know, assistant styling work and like the fashion world and things like that. I always cared about fashion. I always loved fashion. Um, 
And so, you know, I, I had Kiki, I got pregnant. I mean, my life just took off and people were like, wow, like you should have been dead. Like parents from like friends, parents from like high school couldn't believe they were like, wow, you turned your life around. This is amazing. But I was still struggling like with alcohol. How old were you when you got pregnant? Um, I think I was 24. If you, if like, if I, I, I still am a little confused by it because you'd imagine that there's no way at 24, you'd want to have a baby. I know. Especially given everything you've just told us. I know. So like, what happened at 24 that you were like, I can do this. And this makes more sense. Was it self-preservation? I think like it was like God. Keep talking. Yeah, it was God. Like that was like a God moment that I just chose to like not terminate, to be honest. Like, you know, I was like, I can do this. Like, this is how my life is supposed to go. And Rob was supportive. Rob was very supportive. That's obviously a huge factor. Um, and I, I just felt very supported. And, and my pregnancy was my happiest time in my life, still, to this day. Why? I think because I wasn't doing drugs or drinking. And I ha- was very, um, I did well with those pregnancy hormones. Right. Like, really well. Like they the natural, suited you. Oh, right. they really did. And I was, like, nesting. And the brand was doing well. And I was making a great amount of money. And I was happy. I was so happy. I love, I, I love reading about the brand also. Like, because... For me, it's dopey. Like when I I started doing dopey when I had four months and Mm -hmm. I was like fucking so in it's everything. And dopey obviously is not married to the mob. And it's and I'm not a big fan of dopey the dwarf. But uh, because like you have this movie, I have this this dwarf thing to contend with. But um, it and and when Chris and I were doing the show in the beginning, we would talk about self-actualization. We kind of just said that term, Mm. which meant you had something that you really cared about, something that you can be obsessed with that isn't drugs or alcohol. And you had hating yourself or hating yourself or getting out of your head, Mm -hmm. you know, and you had married to the mob and you had this baby. Yep. Um, Was that the real first time you were like you understood sobriety? You know, it never dawned. I never thought about it. Like, I never thought, oh, I'm not drinking. I was like, I'm pregnant. I'm not going to drink. I understand that some people aren't able to do that. But for me, it was like a non-negotiable. And I was happy. Like, I was just happy. But after I gave birth, very quickly after that, I was like, okay, I'm itching to like. And I was also itching to go out. And still, I still had that like nightlife. You were a party girl. I was a party girl. And I was like, damn, this is hard. Like, I want to go out. I want to go to the club. I want to dance. I want to see my friends. Like, I was like, oh my God, like maybe I'm not ready for this. And, um, I started drinking quickly, but oh my God, that, that, like having a baby and like being an alcoholic is, was like the darkest shit. Rough. That was like, I mean, I remember like waking up and like puking and Rob being like, that's nice. You have a child in the crib crying right now and you're like puking in the toilet, you know? And I was like, oh my God, I'm a bad person. And then me and him broke up. He was older, right? 12 years older than me. Yeah. Okay. And he was, he like, what the fuck? I have this young, hot alcoholic. Right. You that's know, kind and, of, I think what, and he, yeah. And he was scared. Yeah. And, and, and you break up and then you have Kiki or he well, has, her? we ha- we shared her 50, 50 from the beginning. No. When we, when we first broke up, when we broke up and we still do. Yeah. So I kind of was like, okay, great. Cause I need this 50% to go out and get shit faced. Right. But then it became like, I was started again. I got, I was doing Coke. I was doing ecstasy. You know, um, I remember like waking up one morning after a night out and there was like blood all over my wall like in bloody handprints and i called my sister like what happened 
And she's like, dude, you fucking like beat me up with a hairdryer and like hit me in the face with a hairdryer. That was towards the end of the drinking. Um, and it was getting bad. Like I was, I was, I was, I don't think you wrote about that. I didn't. Why not? No Uh, pen South and no beating your sister with the hairdryer. I I think I need to write my next book and have it be a much more, um, I'm going to have to talk about more war stories. Yeah. I wanted, I want mom because I have so many of them. All right. I like, it's like so many, like I wanted to keep it reflective and I wanted to keep it a little, like not so down and dirty. Yeah. You have, you have an upper crusty uh, audience (laughs) and brand. Yeah. But I, I really do want to, I want to do, I want to like write like, yeah. The dopey version of of chaos theory. Exactly. That's just going to be called chaos. That's a good idea. Um, and so I was really struggling. I was doing the master cleanse. I was calling psychics. I was doing every single thing except not drinking. Like I was like, I'll just starve myself for a week on the master cleanse. You know, I just anything I, I call the psychic. Do you think I'm an alcoholic? Do I have to stop drinking? You know? And You're she like, was probably. like, she did say that. She was like, I think yes. You know? <laughs> the spirits are saying yeah, it's so. Yeah, the spirits are saying yes. So I still, you know, my last drink, I didn't know it was going to be my last drink. Um, it was just like a, it was a weird night that I didn't end up getting drunk. I just like had a couple beers and like went home and like the next day, like on the train had like a death premonition. What is that? So I was on the train coming home from work on the two, three train. And I, you know, I had my office in the garment district and I was coming home. I was on the train. I was standing by the door and I suddenly had a vision. Like I was like, awake but I was seeing things like and I saw my family without me and so I saw like my mom and dad and brother and sister and they were crying and they were upset and then I saw like Rob and Kiki and they were like okay like here you know I realized like okay like if I die Kira's gonna be okay she's not gonna really remember me it's not gonna be that she was a little baby yeah she was two um and I had also been seeing a therapist who was kind of like, why don't you just try not drinking for like 30 days? You know, she was saying things like that. And I was like, eh, but once I had that death premonition, I was like, oh have my you God. had a lot of premonitions? Um, I've had things where like, I knew I was like, um, like I knew that something beyond me was kind of giving talking or kind of, I was connected to something. Like, I think we all have that. But that's a really profound thing to have a death premonition like that. I know. Cause most people don't get to have those. I know. I had one of those real like white light experiences that the big book talks about too. Like when you stop, you know, kind of thing. Um, so I called a friend who I knew was sober and who had been my friend and she lived in Argentina at the time. And I was like, what do I need to go to a meeting? And she had a friend of hers meet me and bring me to living now. Wow. And that was kind of the beginning of, but why, when I say I wasn't really sober, that's 13th street or second Avenue. It was on second Avenue, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I quickly got prescribed so much medication and I was pretty much addicted to clonopin for like the entire, me too. Yeah. For the entire nine years of, you know, and, and Oh the, really? You were on clonopin when you were on NAA? Yeah. Okay. Um, when did you start getting prescribed everything? Two weeks into my sobriety, I started having round-the-clock panic attacks that wouldn't stop. Okay, well, you needed clonopin. I did. I did need it, but then it turned into an issue, you well, know? But yeah. but at the same time, things got better. I was able to do the steps. Like, you know, I, I was taking it as prescribed for a long time until, like, I wasn't, you know? 
Now, before we get into your nice recovery period, when you say that the next book is going to be called Chaos based on all war stories, mm -hmm. is there a war story that you can think of in that period that you'd like to tell? I mean, I have really, oh my God. Give us a terrible one. Because we it's live on this shit. It's so horrible. It's like so horrible. Please, it's perfect. Please. <sighs> I robbed a nightclub. Okay, great. With junkies. Yeah. What nightclub? I, I, I'm, I'm not saying which was one. Was it life? I'm not saying which one. It wasn't was it that. The, was it the tunnel? It, you know what? I actually don't even really remember the name of it. It doesn't matter. I'm and I'm not going to. I'm, you I'm know. just playing. Okay. It happened. It's. I've checked into was this. Was it Wetlands? I, I, <laughs> I loved Wetlands. Me I would, too. I would never do that to Wetlands. No, of course. Um, I somehow was given keys to this place. And so I enlisted in my junkie friends from New Jersey, who I talked about, Jimmy, who had recently right. not, he had passed away. And our other friend, Eddie, who now had passed away too. Um, we went to this nightclub. There was a safe. We knew that the safe had money. The safe was... Um, was uh, like, like it was on the floor, like stuck on the floor. Like Fastened. I, it in was there. somehow, yeah. We, I can't remember how we got it off the floor, but we somehow got. Of course, they're doing that, and then I'm just going through the bar and drinking different bottles of alcohol, you know. Because you just let I, them in. That was your role. Pretty much. We get this safe. We we put it into the back of a taxi cab. I held a taxi cab. I pull it in front of this club. Where this is like three, two, two in the morning, three in the morning. We put the we put giant garbage bags over the safe. We put the safe in the back of this taxi. We go back to my apartment on Sixth Street and First Avenue that I lived at for like four months or something. We carry it up five flights of stairs because it's a fifth floor walk up, and we fit. We figure out that we need to go get like a fucking blowtorch and a drill to open this shit because there's no way we're opening it. And my roommates were like, "You're not doing this shit in our apartment," you know. So we get back. Now it's like six a.m. The sun's up. You know. We get a, a taxi. We go to a fucking hotel in Newark. We go to a Home Depot in Newark. We get a blowtorch and a drill. And we spend the entire afternoon and night blowtorching and then putting water on it and drilling to open the shit. And finally, we did get it open. We also got another junkie somehow from Newark. The junkie one save of, cracking one crew. One of their friends, you yeah. know, came. And um and we finally got it open. I mean, we each got a lot of money, but it was pretty. It was dark. How much money do you think you got out of it? I don't know. Probably like ten thousand each or something. Wow. Yeah. And you were, and that was pre-married to the mob. Yes. Do you think Bethany Frankel is somewhere on a podcast telling her story of this, <laughs> like that when she used to rob safes with junkies? Yeah. I don't do you, know. Do you imagine if you ever told a story like that on Real Housewives I of know. New York? I mean, I there mean, there's some tough ladies on that show. Yeah. Listen, those women get down and dirty. They they're seem hustlers. To. They're hustlers. I mean, I'm not, you know. Do you feel guilty? Because you, you have this kind of like face right now. Uh, yeah. Like, eh. I, well, it's, I haven't told that story to like, I haven't really told that to many people. You well, know what I'm I mean? I'm honored. And the Dopey Nation, I'm sure, is honored. And like, I hope they enjoy it. Listen, transformation is the name of the game, right? It is. I mean, you know, I would obviously never do that now, but. But like when I think about some of the shit that I did, like it's, oh my God. Wait, I have another crazy All one. All right, good. One more. Please. Valentine's Day. Yes. 98, okay. 99. Okay. I was at Acme Underground right now, which is now a fancy restaurant. restaurant. Yeah. But it was a jungle night, you know, and, and whatever. It was one of the jungle nights. I love drum and bass. And Jim, again, this is Jimmy, my friend Jimmy. Junkie Jimmy. Junkie Jimmy and 
this other another junkie from Jersey who also died. Who I can't even remember his name. So many junkie. So New Jersey has the craziest heroin problem. Um, they come and meet me with a guy that's their friend who looks like a fucking cop. This guy, he's a middle aged white dude that's dressed in like like undercover cop clothing. It's now maybe five a.m. He's like, I need to go buy crack, and I'm like, Well, I'm coming too. So we all get in his car. We drive to the projects in Newark. He robs first. Hold on. I'm forgetting this. He makes me go to his mom's house with him. Wow. Because he needs to go ask her for money. How old are you at this point? Um, maybe 17 or something. Okay. Rave, rave era. Rave era. Yes. He may, he's like, you look like a nice like girl. Like You come with me into the house. We wake this woman up. Her mo- the mother. His mother. This poor woman. Yes. 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. The junkie son banging on the door <laughs> yeah, with for the money. Rave, with the beautiful with the rave fucking, girl. With the fucking cracked out rave girl. Rave girl. Yes. I'm like, hi, can I use your bathroom? She's like, oh my God, Mark, what do you want? What do you want from me? You know? And I'm like, oh my God. I think she was, they were definitely Jewish or something. Like right. she sounded like a Jewish mom. Right. From He's Jersey. He's like, you know, I need 50 bucks, mom. Like, oh please. Like, you know, and she wouldn't give it to him. So we leave and we get into the car. We go into the projects and he robs a fucking crack dealer. This a woman, a, a female crack dealer, just takes the crack and drives <laughs> off. And I'm like, oh my God. And then somehow he drove us to South Jersey, like Tom's River. And this is, like I said, Valentine's Day. You know what? In a beach town in February, it's pretty fucking dismal. I ended up being stranded in South Jersey for like a week. Did you smoke crack with him? He wouldn't even give me a hit. What were you doing there? I didn't even smoke crack. I've never smoked crack. He didn't give me a hit. It was so annoying. They, he gave all the the, guy, the two guys hits. And what were you doing there, though? Hanging out. And then you, they left you in Tom's River? Well, no. Me, Jimmy, and his friend, we went to the his friend's cousin's house, and we stayed there for like a week with the pit bulls that he had, which I loved. And then finally, I met these people who were going back to New York City, and I got a ride with them. That's crazy. Oh, God, I'm so happy I don't do this anymore. That should have been in the book. I'm exhausted Are thinking okay? about this. I'm All not right. okay. I need to go to a meeting and share. <laughs> this is a meeting. This is a meeting. Um, so nine years of recovery with psych meds. Do you think it undid the recovery? No, but I think I was um, put on psych meds that weren't helpful. And I lost a lot of years to psych meds that weren't helpful. Is that when you were first diagnosed with the bipolar too? Yeah. Okay, and why, and that was when you were dating the dude, when you were imprisoned by Dick, dude. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I uh, think. Yeah, that was like an on and off thing. Ted. Oh, Ted Bundy. Oh my God, I wasn't imprisoned by his dick. He was a severe alcoholic. That he almost took me out. I think you. That's who. You, that's wasn't that the chapter of the. Yeah, I think. It was, yeah, it was called that. That's yeah. what it was called. Yeah. Yes, you're okay. right. Um, he almost took me out. Like dating a fucking alcoholic when you're sober. And you trying, fell in love with trying him. To, yeah, and trying to save someone. That's like worse than drinking. Oh my God. And I started going to Al-Anon and stuff. I ended up in a mental hospital. But that's, that's when it pushed you over the edge. Cause like the, the that crazy love. Triangle that I yeah. was in. Well, I don't Which think you, I don't, I don't even think you talk about a love triangle there. Well, no, I talk about dating a couple. Yes. Yeah. Was that at the same period? Um, you were dating a married couple. Dating a married couple. That was before. Was it two guys, two gay guys? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hot. That would be funny. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, so, but, <laughs> but in the book, you talk about that this guy, Ted yeah. pushed you over the limit Yeah, he did. and then you wound up in the mental hospital yeah. reading magazines and chilling, like treating it like a spa. Oh yeah. 
With, so with, yeah, and that's when you were diagnosed with bipolar two. No, I was diagnosed with bipolar two before that. I was diagnosed with bipolar two on my thirtieth birthday. I didn't start date, dating Ted till I was thirty one or thirty two, and I had finally gotten on some meds that were working. I was put on Seroquel, which calmed me down and I turned, like Seroquel. Yeah, it turned my sex drive down because it was like nuts and like you know I was definitely like hypomanic and spending money I didn't have and just being totally off the rails. Lamictal, I, I lost like nine months of my life to Lamictal. Like I wanted to kill myself on Lamictal. Depressing. It was the worst medic medication I've ever taken. And how compromised as a parent and a business owner were you in that period? Horrible. I was not a parent. It was a parent that you were not a parent? I was not. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> a good one. So Rob really stepped in, but yeah, I wasn't great. When I got to, uh, I got to Katz, I lived in Los Angeles for years and I was totally strung out in bad shape. And I came to Katz's in, I had worked at Katz's when I was in high school Amazing. and I wound up at Katz's in 2008 mm -hmm. and all the Dominican guys at Katz's, everyone that works at Katz's is Dominican. Yeah. They all wore a life every day. Right. Yes. And I was like, I was like, what a great idea. A life. My life is horrible. So <laughs> I saw a life as like a sad life, a life. And they did a collaboration with Katz's yes. and when I was there. And, um, and I, I remember being very drunk. I, I went to the store like, yeah, on Remington. I worked there. I mean, why would we would always trade too? like, yo, bring us some, like we had the guys bringing us cats all day long. We'd be like, here's some sneakers, you know? Yeah. They lived great. on a life. Yeah. Um, which I always, I, 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 cause I like, again, when I was, I was in high school at Hunter and lived here and I was like, I was the cool nerdy guy playing in my Scott man, whatever. <laughs> and like, and then I became a junkie and I just never existed. And actually I, I existed in the club scene, uh, because I got hired to be a private eye at the tunnel in the limelight. Like when, Shut during, up. during the Peter Gation no. trial, no, there was a kid at purchase, a Brazilian kid named Oscar. And, uh, he got kicked out of purchase for ODing and he was a brilliant, weird kid. Hmm. And it was my 21st birthday and he called and he had a very effeminate voice and he's like, Dave, you want to come to the tunnel with me? I'll pay you, I'll pay you $20 an hour. I'm like, sure. And, and we go and I'm, you know, a pothead and we go to the tunnel and he gives us drink cards like this. And yeah. our job was to find drugs in the tunnel for a private investigative firm called Krull on behalf of Peter Gation in the, in the settlement. Wow. But, but Oscar was a, a liar and a writer and I was a pothead. Mm -hmm. I just was chilling. And, and that was my only life in the club scene. I would go to the tunnel in the limelight, get paid $20 an hour. We drink for free, wow. smoke weed in there, whatever. It was, it was crazy. But, um, it's more important we get to your psych ward story. I just needed to tell you that story. No, I, I love like, that. I, I like can't believe story. that's the only time you were going to the clubs, though. I would, like, go see ska shows and reggae shows. Right. That's, I went, and and hip-hop shows. But also if you're, like, doing... Yeah, you're, like, more that the show guy, not, like, the club guy. I can't dance. <laughs> I can't dance. And, like, when I would trip out, I would just trip out. I wasn't, like, dancing. Right. I was, like, contemplating infinite and universes also, and right. stuff. And also heroin, like, it's hard to stay awake till... No, I, can, I mean, eat, but my natural state is I go to bed at 10 and I wake up at 530. That's great. That's like, I'm naturally. I go to bed at 10 and like wake up at 10. But that's because you're on heavy medication. Yeah. Don't give, yourself, give yourself a break. <laughs> I know. Okay. But when you go to the, the, the psych ward, mm -hmm. what changes that? So I had a real moment of clarity where I realized that I was creating situations for myself 
that were really toxic and unhealthy. And yeah, I have depression. I have the bipolar two disorder, you know, but all of that can be fixed and handled and put under control with the right medication and taking care of yourself, you know, and like going to sleep on, you know, at a regular hour and eating healthy and working out and just paying attention to your body and your brain. I realized when I was in the, when I was at Gracie square, I was like, wow. Cause I saw people who were schizophrenic and like so many other things that, you know, medication can help get, make it better, but it's still very hard to live. And it's different when you don't know reality versus delusion. I know reality. I don't have delusions. And I was just choosing to put myself in very fucked up situations that were making me crazy. That was hypomania. Like, like yeah. you, you, cause you were basically getting high off your brain chemistry. Right. And then it's like, I need to, I, I, my life is unmanageable and I'm sober. Yeah. Like I need to manage this. Exactly. So yeah. you, but you learn to manage it. I did. Which is like incredible. And then, and Until then. Until I started drinking again, but whatever. But you didn't start drinking for a while. Yeah, no, I didn't. That was not till 2018. And Married to the Mob is huge. Married to the Mob is doing great. And like, no, in that period. Oh, during that period. Um, so no, Married to the Mob, I had kind of really screwed up. You were rich for a minute. I was doing really well for a minute and then like I wasn't, you know, and then you weren't rich and then I wasn't rich at all. And I was like so happy just to like be able to afford like a sandwich and a seltzer and like, you know, but in that is in that period, is that where you're you're getting facials at Bethany Frankel's facial person? So I know. So that, yeah. So, but Mary's and love started doing well again before that. Before what? Before you hooked up with Bethany Frankel's facial person and they suggested you to be on The Real Housewives of New York. Yes, yes, Because I also had started streamlining mob. Like, I was like, I'm working too much. Again, mental health, not good for it. I'm not seeing my daughter. I'm basically like... Workaholic. I'm a workaholic. I'm paying... I'm working to pay a nanny to watch my daughter so I can work nonstop. I'm going to cut everything down, get rid of my office get rid of everything and just like sell to one, one chain store that has multiple stores, streamline everything, drop ship all of it. And like get, pick my daughter up from school, which I haven't done in fucking my whole life, you know? And once I was able to do that and kind of make my life the way I wanted it to mob started doing better. And your life was manageable. Were you still going to meetings then? No. And you were, but you were sober. I was sober. And like you were thriving for the most part. Yeah. It's interesting. Why did you stop going to meetings? I read a book that was kind of anti-AA. What book? Recovery 2.0. Okay. And it wasn't anti-AA, but it was kind of like... You can do it without meetings. It was also like calling yourself an alcoholic is like negative and like this and that. Did it bother you to call yourself an alcoholic? It didn't, but I was just looking for every reason to like not go to meetings and like not do the work and all that shit. And now I'm like, God, I can't believe I was making it so hard for myself. When it's Why just... do you think you were? Because my brain is fucking nuts. Right. But like you did all the work, right? I you did. did. I had you... gone through the steps. I had done all of that. And then like, I'm interested in this cause I'm like, I, I had stopped doing work. And then when Chris died, I was like, I got to go back to A. Yeah. Um, and now I'm like, sponsoring people and doing oh, work great. and it's great doesn't it's, it feel much better it's retarded i know it's insane <laughs> it's the r word and, I, and r you word. know people have written me and said don't say retarded on dopey so yeah, i want to apologize to the dopey nation on, on behalf of leah as well as myself <laughs> but it's ridiculous how well i'm doing within 12-step world now so but i want to hear about when you drifted away from it like what was going on in your head why did you not want to go i was like you know 
principles before personalities. Right. I wasn't doing that. Right. I was Ev- like, everything was personal. Oh, everything. Personalities. Oh, everything was personalities. Fuck this person. Fuck that person. This bitch is annoying me. I'm right. done with these people. Right. I'm done with this shit. You didn't need it. It's like I didn't you need had- it. I'm better than this. Right. I can control it. I'm different than everyone. And then like I I um I had started smoking weed again. Then I did Molly at like a wedding in like the Pacific Northwest. Nice. You know. Was it fun? It was fun. It's got to Yeah, it fun. was fun. And I didn't feel, I was very worried about feeling depressed the next day. I didn't, you know. Um, so I was like, okay, look at me. I'm doing you it. Know? I'm it's just, working out. I started dating a guy with 10 years sober. Six months into the relationship, I started drinking. Was he drinking too? No. Did he know? Uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm drinking. Don't try to Do stop you think me. you were rebelling against him? Maybe because I I also kind of like hated him, but was dating him anyway. And I was like, oh, and he was like a sugar food addict. So when he tried to like be like, maybe you shouldn't have that other glass of rosé, I'd be like, maybe you shouldn't have another fucking bag of Twizzlers. Right. Shut the fuck up. Right. And was that the big relapse? That was the big relapse. Is that drinking? Was that pre Real Housewives? Pre Roni. I I was drinking before I got casted. See, I, I misunderstood that. That's interesting. Yeah. Because you walk in there, you don't tell them you're sober. Because I was trying to not make it a thing on the show. Yeah, right. Why? Because I was like drinking again and had just been sober for nine years. And it was like a big deal. To Were be- you scared of like the judgment? Of, I was like, scared uh- of the judgment. I was like, I don't want to make this a thing. I also knew once I got casted, I was like, oh, fuck, I should stop drinking. And I had, oh, my God, I had a really bad bender right before the show. Really bad. Let us know. Oh my god! It's this is so the greatest. This it's is the, so great, bad. This is the most exclusive Liam McSweeney like interview no one, in the history of Liam McSweeney. So interviews. I had been on like my first, you know, obvious for the first few months of the drinking, I was handling it well. I would have three glasses of rosé, eat an edible. It seemed very adult, very you know, very. In the book, I think you said you had a glass of wine at Shabbos. Well, that's how I relapsed. Okay, so yeah. it was before the ten years sober guy. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, wait, I, no, I, I was dating him and you were having these Shabbos dinners. I had, there was one Shabbos dinner I went to and I had the, the sip of wine. Right. And, and then a couple, then a month later, I, I fully relapsed. That was like my prelapse in uh, a way. I, I don't, I think I've ever heard that word. The yeah. pre, I've heard of free lapse. I don't think this I heard of the prelapse. prelapse. So like I, I was taken with that part in the book, like because there's a lot of people in, in long-term recovery who listen to the show. I'm also finding a ton of people who listen to this show at around five years, they're all fucking relapsing. Mm. Like there's a big contingent of, of dopey fans who are relapsing at five years. Oh. So describe, maybe it'll, they'll help. It'll help them. Five years. What happens? No, I didn't have nine years. Nine, nine, nine years. Nine fucking years. What happens? So, um, you you're know, young. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't know. I was, I was at the Shabbos dinner and my friend, my daughter's friend's mother was making her, her weekly Shabbos Bloody Mary with Tito's and that, she, and I was like, Oh, and she's cooking and she's drinking her Bloody Mary. How pleasant. How pleasant. Yes. And I had never tried Tito's by the way. And everyone, of course, cause I, you know, stopped drinking almost a decade before they came out or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, that looks so nice. Maybe I can have Is like Tito's a, really good. I never, I know. I mean, when I started drinking, that's the, that's the, it all is the same. Okay. I mean, what the fuck is the difference? It's like artisanal Mexican it's, vodka. It's like, right? yeah, like organic. I don't yeah. fucking know. It's like popular, you know, when I was drinking, it was like gray goose and whatever. So, um, I'm like, wow, that looks so nice. And that just planted a seed in my head. And then when the, the cup went around, the kiddush came around, I took a sip and my daughter looked at me like, what the fuck are you doing? And I said, I'm being respectful. Right. 
And you were like, shut the fuck up. Let, exactly. me, let me be a Jew. Exactly. Right. And then a month later, I was in L.A. and I my sister was having a glass of wine and I just took it out of her hand. And I said, watch this. And I chugged it. And in the back of your head, you were like, maybe I can drink like a normal maybe person. Maybe I can drink like a normal person. Maybe it was because I was under such a I was in such a terrible point in my life. I let it get out of control now. And I was feeling like I'm content. Things are good. Things are chill. Everything's, I have a business. I have a business. It's going well. I have like a boyfriend who's stable. Like everything's okay. Let me see if I can drink. And I wasn't going to meetings. I'm not going to take meth. Like, I'm not going to. Right. I'm not going to do meth. But f- a few months later. That was May. In August, I it was, it was August 1st or 2nd, and I had been on like a two or three day tear. Not, you know, I was sleeping, but then I'd wake up and my friend, I was like with my friend, we went out till fucking five in the morning. Then she would give me an Adderall when I woke up, we would start drinking again. Was it Kat Marnell? It wasn't Kat Marnell. Um, I did blow and I said I would never do that. You know, as I'm fucked up from this, three-day bender I get a call from Bravo wow so you're in the in the bender and Bravo's like we'd like you to join the cast of they're Real like Housewives they were in like City. yes and I was like I oh my god they're like yeah like you know and, and and you're not a wife you're not a housewife no so how why did this I'm happen like, everyone's gonna know I'm poor <laughs> like I'm gonna look so broke next to all these bitches um and I was probably you know I was terrified the next day I went on, I just went on a tear, I think from the stress too. I was like, fuck this. I mean, the my fear, sis- the fear, everything. Me and my sister went out. I blacked out. I lost my purse at the box. I don't know how I got home. I woke up and I, for two weeks, had a two week absolute panic attack. And I was like having to go to the ER. My stomach was like so fucking jacked. Like they wanted to do a fucking like endoscopy. Like, I mean, I was beyond repair. I had nonstop nausea. I felt like there were evil spirits in my apartment. Mm. And my mom came over and I'm like, mom, I drank. She didn't, she hadn't known that I was drinking. I'm like, I'm, I've been drinking. And she's like, well, look, look at the shape you're in. I'm like, how am I going to go on the show? In a few weeks, we start filming. She's like, don't, you have to stop drinking. I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop. So I stopped. Did you go back to AA? But I didn't go back to AA. What did you do? You just like, just you stopped. just white knuckled it. I just white knuckled it. Yeah. And then, it, you know, that didn't work. And then you, you joined this cast. I joined the cast. But what are you thinking? Like you had been on Millionaire Matchmaker before that? Yeah, but that was like just and a love and hip hop. Yeah, I was on Love and Hip Hop. I made a cameo. I mean, it was nothing. Like I was on it for like two seconds, you know. So you had you had your toes in I the reality to- TV yeah, water. Yeah, sure. You know, I had a podcast. I mean, you know, I was like, I was out there, but not in the way that like, this is a cultural like juggernaut. Like it's like a cultural phenomenon. Did you right? say juggernaut? Yeah, is that? <laughs> no, it's juggernaut. Juggernaut. Wait, I like juggernaut is, is funny. Ju- juggernaut. Yeah. Wait, but is that even the right? Was that it is. It a, the right yeah, it's way? a cultural juggernaut for yeah. sure. For sure. So, well, you just said juggernaut. I said not. <laughs> so you know, I knew this was a much different like thing, and I was really freaking out. And the producers were calling me like, "Can we come over?" And I'm like, "I'm still kind of. I have the flu. I was pushing them off, pushing them off. Like, finally, they came over. I was still nauseous." from the anxiety, I guess, like, or from the fucking everything from not from being an alcoholic and not having a solution and not living in the solution. Well, and you trying also, to do it my own way. you're joining this juggernaut, which is also 
borderline alcoholic. You know what I mean? I mean the that sh- too. The show is so fucking crazy well, and wild. Especially the New York one. Right. It's fueled by, the, by those alcohol. Those women, they, they know how to drink, those women. For sure. And you did too. I did too. And I'm not going to lie. The year that I drank, mm-hmm. I'm very happy I got to drink with them. Of course, because yeah. it's also probably made it easy to be on the show. Yeah, it did. Way easier than being the well, sober young girl with these crazy drinking ladies. Yeah, but but also it it was hard because like I'm not very good with being hungover at all. And they're shooting you. And like they're shooting you. What about the whole belly full of booze, head full of AA thing on TV? Um, was that an issue? Um, I think I was in just so much denial. And also like the romance of like being a TV star and getting money and getting recognized and going to the Hamptons and like the best of everything. Yeah, but no, because that wasn't really like I had already been going to the Hamptons and I already You already been doing all that shit. I already fucking went to Sacred Heart. Right. You know what I mean? You were in that world. Like I was also like a piece of shit, like fucking drug addict, but I was also like bougie in my own way and like you know. But I will say that also the pandemic happened when it aired. So I was like, so as soon as you joined the cast, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. No, not as, as soon as I, but as soon as it aired. Cause you like joined later. in like 2018, 2019. 19, yeah. Right. Yeah. Linda, my wife was like, she loves real housewives of New York. Oh, cool. And she's like, and she loved you when you joined Yeah. and she loved Tenley too. Oh yeah. Tinsley. She's yeah. Tinsley. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, it's good. Sorry. Tinsley. If you're listening. <laughs> she's awesome. Um, so fucking, Linda pulls me in to show me the Tiki Torch episode. I'm like, oh my God, this is so crazy. And she's like, she's like, she was sober too. Like you said it on the show that you were sober for nine years or something. Yeah, but I wasn't sober during the Tiki Torch moment. Clearly not. No, okay. Yeah, I'm just making sure we're... Did you catch blowback from being this ex-sober person? Was anybody giving you shit? Or how about your parents? No, my parents were... I mean, my mother was fucking beside herself. Because you were like, you had acted badly your whole life, and now you were doing it on this gigantic TV show. Oh my God, my mother was like terrified. Uh, my grandmother was scared. Um, mortified. More, yeah, actually, that's terrified and more, mortified. Well, she kept being like, "I know you're acting." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm acting." It's water. Um, I'm drinking water. I'm just yeah, putting it on the show. Pretend, I'm pretending to be drunk. Um, Did you say that? No, I didn't okay. really say that to her. But um, you know, I didn't get. You know, I was dealing with it behind the scenes, I guess, with Rob being like, "What are you doing?" He was worried. Yeah, but he was also drinking with me. So was he ever sober? No, he is not. He's not a alcoholic at all and what about uh kiki um she didn't yeah she was like not happy that i was drinking for sure and with the ladies and their alcoholism like i mean they're drinking they're excuse drinking, me right um because I see them talking to you all over the place about how to get sober because they probably know in the back of their head. Like, what made you get sober when you were making the show? I, I didn't. I, I got sober after we were done filming. In, in COVID? In COVID. Once, you were, like a, you co- saw yourself? Mar- no, I never saw my... I stopped drinking before it aired. So I never got to see myself. Like, I mean, I saw myself, but I'd already stopped drinking. So what was the impetus for, for getting back into it? Um, we were in the Hamptons, like quarantined, um, me and Rob and Kiki and my sister and her fiance and her daughter. And I was 
me and my sister were both struggling. I mean, we're both out. My sister's sober now, too. But we were both drinking, hiding it from everybody. And, like, actually, at one point, I said to her, yo, like, I have to drink today. I'm sorry. And she's like, I've been drinking all morning. I have the beer cans hidden in the laundry wow. thing. You know, I'm like, oh, great. And then Rob, I was like, so I got shit face. I was being nuts, you know. And then the next day, I was like, I need another bottle of wine. And Rob was like, yo, I'm not dealing with this shit you better you're not drinking another fucking bottle you're fucking crazy and i basically had it was it was like okay i i had to stop like it was like a the first time i stopped it was like the gift of desperation kind of thing right and then the second time was more like i had to make a logical choice well how did that even happen though how could you make that choice i don't know it was another gift of desperation it was, i guess I'm it was sure. another gift of desperation because there is no logical choice there is no, yeah you're right were you using it all like drugs during the real housewives were they um, like smoking dmt vaping dmt in the back no no one was doing dmt okay we'll leave it at that <laughs> um so you're in the hamptons mm -hmm. and you're like i gotta fucking get my shit together yeah did you go to treatment again no, um, no, dude, it was fucking COVID. It but was people went to treatment during COVID. Or did they? Yeah. Well, it, this was like the first week. This is literally like March 31st was my last drink of 2020. And I mean, to be honest with you, I just started feeling better like a couple weeks ago. Like, really? I'm not even going to lie. But I'm fucking back in AA, like no joke. You know, my, I have a sponsor and I'm hanging out with sober people nonstop and I'm going to meetings all the time. And when I think Does it annoy you? That I'm back in AA. The, the, you just said it. It's like that weird kind of place, right? Because it's kind of annoying that you. What I say all the time is how I resent how much I need it. I resent like being all cliche now. Like I was never like that ever. I, I became like that kind of recently because I'm I'm working a program much harder than I used to. I would take this over what happened to me in January, like any day of the week. Like I will fucking have like 10 sponsees and be doing step work every day if that means that I don't have to go through that depression again. And I, this is what I need to take care of myself. Right. Or else I end up on a boat with the drug cartel doing, you know, two C. I I mean, like really, because my, my addiction is absolutely self-destructive and it's insanity. Well, the thing that I always come back to is it's like if there was a way to use drugs and not have negative consequences, it's like that would be that interesting. Would be great. But that is not the case. Mm -mm. The case is like horrible shit happens. Horrible consequences, like horrible. Like and this was the worst depression I've ever felt in my life and it's and it's completely tied into my addiction. Well, listen, I cannot, I mean, I can't thank you enough for, for fucking bringing the dopey, bringing the recovery, <laughs> being from Penn South, <laughs> being the real housewife of New York from the Jewish projects. Oh, yep. We need to bring a little bit of Penn South to the real housewives we of do, New York. We do, and I'm bringing these girls to cats. All right, I'll set that up. Oh, yeah, no that's problem. happening. Do you want to play this weird little game that I've concocted for you? Of course. All right, this is not my best version of this game, but... I, I always like the game. The okay. game is fun. You know, I also had a Bronwyn Wyndham Burke. Oh yeah, did you have her on the podcast? Yeah, oh, I had that's her on funny. the show. But she was like, like on Zoom, and oh, she's she not from Penn South. Right. No, she's no, not, not a converted all. Jew. No, she didn't go to high school. Wait, Wait I, I think she is a converted Jew. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think she is. We didn't. I don't know if we talked about okay. that. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna say one thing or the other. You pick which one. Okay. Okay. Um, a life or Supreme? A life. Oh. Paris Hilton or or Kim Kardashian? Paris. Catholic or Jewish? Jewish. Patricia Field or Liquid Sky? Oh my God, that's really hard, but I'm going to have to say Patricia Field. Uh, are Real Housewives of New York or Married to the Mob? 
I mean, married to the mob, of course. Uh, the Beatles or the Stones? Beatles. Coke or wine? Wine. MDMA or dust? MDMA. Will Smith or Chris Rock? Chris Rock. Uh, Lil Kim or Cardi B? Lil Kim. Antique boutique or canal jeans? Antique boutique. AA or NA? AA. Madonna or Lady Miss Keir? You're an asshole for that one. Why? Because those are like my two favorite so, bitches ever. So pick. I have to choose Lady Miss Keir. I named my daughter after her. Ramona or Luann? Luann. Real Housewives of Dubai or Real Housewives of Atlanta? Atlanta. Uh, Andy Cohen or Anderson Cooper? Oh, come on, Andy Cohen, of course. Chabad or Harry Krishna? <laughs> I honestly may have to go with Harry Krishna. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been incredible for me. Um, oh, I, cannot, I cannot thank you enough. I can't wait to wear my Oyve hat. Oh, dude, you're going to be the first high-profile person to ever wear an Oyve. You're the first person happy to see Oyve. <laughs> so I'm psyched, and um, I can't thank you enough. And I Thank you, Dave. This is great. Come back. I can't believe you got punched in the face by my friend's uncle and that you helped her grandfather back into the bed. I cradled him like what a baby in my fuck? arms. I know. This is crazy. I know. We're very fortunate to have this experience. This we was, are. for lack of a better term, a god shot. It was. Will you come to a meeting with me in the city? I'll, I'll do anything. Okay. And, okay, and will you come back on the show in, in some sort of co-host uh, thing yes. sometime? Oh, my God. I would fucking love to. All right. Awesome. I would absolutely love to. That'd be an honor. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right. That was Leah McSweeney. And uh, it was just so shocking to me that she grew up where I grew up in. Yeah. Like that shit fucked me up. And that she, that her best friend's uncle was the guy who broke my nose. <laughs> Isn't that weird? It's very crazy. It's fucking weird. And it got me very hyped up. Linda thought I, I talked too much in the beginning and she might be right. Might have been a little bit overpowering in the beginning, but I was very excited. It was so. Eddie, you, 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 eased, you eased up. I think you were, yeah, I think you were very excited First of all, at how cool she was, because I think she's just super chill and, and fun to hang with. But also, you guys have so much in common. Like, she's like, even when she was talking, she was, yeah, behind the McDonald's. And I know the McDonald's just from visiting Grandpa Allen and seeing your old house. And she was like, oh, yeah, we're over by this and that, like that, the, the Sosa with the supermarket. Yeah. Was, I mean, this is where you, you know, that had to have been really cool. So you got, you were very psyched. It was crazy. And, um. The one thing that I really, I was so excited, like Leah McSweeney is really close with Kat Marnell and I was going to save Kat Marnell for the end of the interview, but I was so shocked that she was from where I was from right. that I brought her up before the interview. So Which the, was probably better. No, I wanted to talk Kat Marnell on the show. Uh, you know, like that's what I wanted to do. Um, but I loved having Leah on the show. Um, we're going to try to get her to come to DopeyCon because it's also in Chelsea. Uh, are you excited for DopeyCon? It's right around the corner. I am. You are? Well, the la I get nervous for these kind of things. Yes. But the last DopeyCon, when was that? That was a while because of COVID, right? That was two years ago? I think three it was years three ago. Three years ago. That was such an amazing night. It was magical. I mean, it was magical. You know, it was it was very special. I, I, I still think about it. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited for that to happen again. So check it out. The, the, we have the location. It's going to be on my dad's block. 
And uh, maybe Leah will come because maybe, she maybe likes Le- that. Yeah, maybe Leah will come. She knows that area. And tickets are going to go on sale next week. And we are going to give dibs to Patreon members, all tiers. Tickets go on sale first for Patreon members. So if you are looking for an excuse to join Patreon, maybe it's to get tickets for DopeyCon. What do you think about that? I think that makes sense. Can you give us like some teasers about it? I don't even know anything about it. Well, I know very little about it, too. Oh, okay. What I know is Brandon Novak will be there. Okay, Andy, that's cool. Andy Roy will be there. Uh, you will be there. Wow. I will be there. Producer Sam could very well be that there. Would be, I would say I would love to meet Sam in person. Who P- people are flying in met. from New Zealand, okay. from England, from California. Mm-hmm. My dad is trying to get group rates at the local hotels nearby as we speak. Mm-hmm. He's bugged out. He's like. David, he came out the other day with a list of hotels. I was like, leave me alone. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, more importantly, that DopeyCon will be the first fundraiser for the Dopey Foundation. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. also in talks with a rapper from Brooklyn named Gorilla Nems, who was incredible on Dopey, and he might come do a song. Uh, Leah McSweeney might, cl- might come to do a song. Uh, not do a song, to show up. Maybe she'll bring Luann, because Luann, I don't know if you watched Real Housewives, but she does like a like a burlesque oh, show. Oh, maybe we can have yeah. Luann come do some burlesque. Yeah. Um, we're going to be playing games. Uh, Chloe LeBranch is going to do a comedy set. Uh, there's going to be other music. It's Are gonna... you going to play Good So Bad on the guitar like three years ago? Of course I will. Okay. Well, then, I, then I might not go. It will be, and it'll be. That was your favorite part. <laughs> that was, and well, it was because everyone sang. That's what we're I gonna got do. To, I mean, the, I was a little bit emotional during that. There's that was a, pretty powerful. There's a good chance we reunite with downtown Ray Brown, but maybe not. But okay. I, but I would, I would. Well, I love know. Ray. That would be good. Well, we'll see what happens. There will be incredible dopey based surprises. Maybe Nick Reiner will turn up. You never know. Mm-hmm. Maybe Andy Dick might make a sober appearance. You never know Mark what's going to Mark Marin. Mark Marin. Never know. You never know what could happen. Who would you want to see at Dopey Conlin? If you can if you could orchestrate it. Hmm. Wow. Who would I want to talk to or just kind of have present or be on stage and do do something? Whatever. You got Jamie Lee Curtis. Why? Cuz I love her. You would want to see Jamie Lee Curtis at DopeyCon. I did. I would, yeah. Okay, and Dopey Nation, who would you guys want to see at DopeyCon? Let me know. Send an email at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Um, let's see. I had an email I wanted to read, but uh, it's getting late, huh? Here, I, I saw this post. I saw this post in the Dopey Nation, and I figure we never, on Facebook, we never read Dopey Nation Facebook posts, so I'm going to read it. Hey, dudes, I've been listening to Dopey religiously for a couple years now, haha, and thought maybe I should share my story. I was born in and raised in a yurt park. Yes, like a trailer park, but with yurts uh, that my mother helped start in Wyoming and moves to Montana. What's a yurt? I don't I don't even know. Let's see. I, I used to know what a yurt was. That was a, a word we used when we were kids. A yurt is... It's a tent. A, a traditional yurt or gur is a portable round tent covered with skins or felt and used as a dwelling by several distinct nomadic groups in the steppes of Central Asia. It looks like that. Oh, okay. So yeah. she lived in a park of tents. 
Okay. Uh, now let me get back to this thing. Uh, my parents, believe it or not, are giant hippies and still smoke weed every day. I started drinking and smoking weed when I was about 13 and started a pretty bad drinking habit. When my mom set me up with a guy when I was 18 and he was 26, which is a bizarre parent behavior in the first place, who was an IV heroin user and almost immediately started shooting me up. At that time in Montana, we had very little access to heroin. It was mostly oxys and Dilaudid's. Heroin would come around occasionally. Now it's everywhere here. I ended up moving to New York City with that boyfriend because my brother lived there, which I highly regret. He was way worse than me, and I ended up kicking it but continued to drink profusely. I moved back to Montana and have been fighting uh, both for over 10 years. Although for whatever reason, the opiates have never been as hard for me to stay away from, I think it's easier for to keep the people you're involved with uh, that way away from than it is booze alcohol is just everywhere all the time mm -hmm. anyways trying to stay sober and stay a conscious decent human being i just love you all and thank you all for being a part of this mm. which is crazy that story. was a post on dopey nation post on dopey nation <clears throat> so if you're on facebook and you love dopey join the dopey nation that's my plug for them right. and if you feel alone and you want to and you don't want to go to a meeting, go to Dopey Zoom. Yeah. Dopey Zoom is a happening thing. And, and I'll give you, and, and they do 26 meetings a week. They do AA, they do NA, they talk food, they, they hang out. It's, it's a nice, it's a nice community for people who love, who are addicts and, and like Dopey and want to be in a situation where they don't feel judged. And like, and, and, and the, the, <clears throat> the key is to just do something. Yeah. Find something that, clicks and it doesn't have to be you have to do it this way it needs to be this it needs to be that it has to go by this rule or this step i mean it's just about finding somebody anybody who can support you and 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 be there for you if you're having a hard time and if it's not about That's somebody it. being there it's just being active like do you know how much therapy linda gets out of making her uh beautiful stained glass windows it's like, and there's nobody there. It's just you being engaged with something that isn't crazy thinking. Right. In the, in that group I was talking about earlier, it's not just, um, this is why I think this group is so successful and I've done a lot of, th helped out in different therapy, I don't know, therapy groups, but support groups. But why this one is so unique is because, um, the group starts out with a half hour of just eating food together. Nice. Just eat a meal. So it's like connection. It's right. The connection well, the group's called con the group's called connections. Then we have kind of a, you know, a, 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 a piece of talking and sharing. And then after that, we, we each week we do a different type of meditation or mindfulness um, piece. And then after that, we do an art therapy piece. So the group, the group members are learning how to do a bit of mindfulness. Then they're also learning how would you utilize art as a way of maybe coping with your feelings or your anxieties or your stresses? How would you use just sitting with others and just BSing over food? So it's, there's like four different ways you can deal with the same feelings that this group kind of models. And that's kind of the point, which is there's not just, there's not one way to handle these feelings or these, you know, there's, there's lots of options. And that's, I guess what you're saying about dopey zoom or whatever. Um, like even like 
I think Leah was mentioning that there was like different things that she was trying or, or learning about. I mean, there's there's just endless there's endless possibilities, but the worst thing is is nothing. There's not doing anything. There's and the nothing. Zoom the dopey Zoom address is eight zero four three hundred five eight six. The password is Toodles. Do something. Give yourself a fucking chance. Reach out. You know, yes. Reach out to Linda. She wants to help you. Uh, I I was gonna have my dad on, but it's like the show is so fucking. He's long. A, so what time is it? He's awake Al- and he, he wants. Alan to- is fast asleep. He's not asleep. We're gonna have him come on real fast. No, le- no. Let him be. No, he, he wants. He's done. Uh, he's there's a there's a development in Dopey, and he wants to to be a be on it because of this development. He's very interested in. While Alan isn't answering the phone, like. The last three put times the you called. On. Put the headphones on. All right, put my headphones on. Poor Alan. Just put the headphones on. Okay. Hello. Hello, are you awake? Yes, I am awake. Do you have reviews out? Uh, I can go downstairs and get it. All right, good. Get to work. Let me, take, let me get my medicine first. Hold on. Your brain medicine? <coughs> he is... This is horrible. Can we hang up? I love Alan, but <laughs> we've got to go. My dad needs to get his. He needs to get medicine. his medicine. He needs to go like down two flights of stairs to get what you need. He loves this. He lives for He's this. He's not prepared. He's not prepared. I don't think he loves it tonight. He loves it. He every just night. announced that he has to go get his medicine. He wants you to feel sorry for him. Hello. Hold on a sec. <laughs> He's out of breath. This, this does not sound. Listen. He's not the no, robot. Huh? Walking towards the computer. Can you walk any slower, Dad? I can walk a lot slower. What are you eating? <laughs> What's in your slurring? mouth? What's happening over there? Hold on. What are you eating? Little Debbie's chocolate uh, nut peanut butter wafers? I don't have any Little Debbie here yet. Yeah, because when we get there for the summer, there's gonna be lots of little Debbies. He buys every cheap, every every cheap dessert on sale. That's the drawer of cheap desserts on sale. <laughs> now, what what are you doing? He bought what he bought like pistachio Oreos. I was like, what did you buy these for? He's like, the it, kids. It was, no, it was on sale. He bought it for himself, not for oh. the kids. Excuse me. <laughs> Obviously, you guys are now recording now because you're making fun of me. Is that it? Yes. Not uh, me, uh, Alan. So- I don't do that. Yeah, well, Linda, you have to protect me from him. I, I'm, I'm ready. Good. Anyway, so of course he, he sent me a message cursing me that I, that I didn't call in, even though I told him that I was doing the book club. I forgot. But yeah. Dave. What? I apologize. Yeah. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so you want me to find reviews? Okay. This is the first time you've read reviews on the show. No, but on this computer, it's not as easy as you think. <laughs> That's you, this is you ad-libbing, right? Just, I'm not ad-libbing. You're trying to I'm fill trying space. To... All right, okay, wait, wait, wait. <clears throat> oh, I got reviews. Okay, good. I see them. All right, so is there any specific review you want me to read? Yes. Probably just good ones, Alan. Ones that no, praise Dave. No, no, on June, On that. June 26th. There was an interesting ad posted, or an interesting review posted, and I think uh, my dad has been dying to read oh, it okay. since then. Well, I see <clears throat> on my what I'm looking at, there aren't any dates, so I can I can read inspiration by Brittany G. Okay, you can that read that. That sounds good. Sure. 
That's a five-star review. Yes. <clears throat> and it says, such good interviews. Dave, Dave seems to ask all the right questions. I love listening to him and his father bickering back and forth. It's the best. You see that? All the right questions, Linda. You see that? Now, Dad, read the, read the other one. Read, the, read, the, read, read a bad one. Read the bad one. All right. Now, look. Dopey Nation. This is the one that he said he's going to trick me into reading. It's the one by a privileged white, white man for privileged white men. And I told him he will never trick me into doing it again. But, Dave, would you, maybe you should read it. No, Dad, you, you read the reviews. I don't like reading it, but, but all right, if I do read it, I will consider this not being tricked in. I will consider this, I'm doing it on my own accord. This is not a trick. It's remarkable how many times I've tricked you into reading this review, though, isn't it? Well, this is not a trick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go for it. Yes. All right, now, I wanna, first I want to tell everybody that New York City Sarah, she didn't put this up this time. Your friend Dave from Dopey Pie, he put this up. Dad, 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 I swear to you, I swear on my children, I swear on the sanctity of Dopey, I've never, I would never do that. I did not put up this review, I am not joking, I did not do it. I w if you were asking me who I think did it, I would guess Joey Pepper did it. Or maybe New York City Sarah wanted some attention. And I am actually, before you read this review, I am making an invitation to New York City Sarah to come to DopeyCon. October 1st, confront Alan, confront me, confront the Dopey Nation, let air your grievances out at DopeyCon. Dad, please read the review. All right, let, let me comment. <clears throat> Dad, so hold on, hold on. Will you, yeah. If New York City Sarah comes to DopeyCon, will you make peace with her? Of course, I'm gonna make peace with her now too. <clears throat> but. But what do you mean? Somebody else could just find a review and then and put it on? I don't again? know. I think it was New York City Sarah. I don't know, Dan. I think it was you. It was. I, mean, I just swore <laughs> on my children's lives. It wasn't me. Well, I, I don't want to say anything about that. <clears throat> all right. So first of all. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Dad, do you really yeah. think I did this? Yes. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I swear. I have to hear this review. Read You've it, Alan. heard it before, Linda. I want to hear it. Listen, Dad. I swear yeah. to you I, on everything. Do you swear on your love for me? I swear on my love for Linda. I swear on everything that is holy in the universe. I swear on the dog. Wow. I, I, How about Onyx? I, I, sure. <laughs> Throw the cat in there, too. I swear on everything, Dad. I did not. I would say it. I would not swear on the world. Can we hear I, it, please? I did not do this. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That's Hold on. Do you believe me? She, she, she actually put this up, I think, when Chris was still alive. Yeah, she did. But, Dad, Dad, really early. Dad do you believe me that I didn't do this? Um, I'm trying to believe you, yes. I am trying to. Yes. Okay. I, I, I'll, I'll do you believe me, Lynn? I don't know. If, what are we even talking about? If I posted this review to get my dad to read it or if it was reposted. I have to hear it. Let's All hear right. it. Yes. All right. This is by New York City Sarah. Or Dave. Uh, and it's titled by a privileged, uh, she's doing the wrong tense, by a privileged white man for privileged white men. I, someti I sometimes enjoy this podcast, but I'm often <laughs> by the fact 
that it's mainly wealthy white men who are misogynistic at best. I can't recall ever hearing a story told by a racial minority, and I remember listening to just two by women. The men sharing have wealthy parents, one with a Manhattan apartment that we hear about in every single episode to fall back. <laughs> they undergo numerous stints in rehab that would bankrupt most American families. The problem is that there's no self-awareness, maturity, or acknowledgement of the privilege that they are able to employ. <clears throat> most of the guests would be in jail by now if they were black, some forever due to grotesque mandatory, mandatory minimums, and yet filthy is a joke about what white guys behaving badly can get away with. It might be helpful to be less slightly narcissistic and to recognize that recovery stories are more than those of white men with endless means. <clears throat> yes, so that thank was you. So one star review by New York City Sarah. Um, so if you allow me, I will say... I would say without a doubt that the racism in this country is absolutely horrendous and the unfairness of how people of color are treated in this country is a major, major, major scandal. Would you say and it's a Shonda, Dad? It's a Shonda to the nation. Yes. I mean, that's the old Yiddish expression, and it actually makes sense in this country, a Shonda to the nation. <laughs> and... Um, and, of course, she's 100% right about that aspect of this criticism. What about, However, your, what about your opulent Manhattan apartment? She doesn't even I'm mention getting, the lake house. I'm getting to that. What about the new, the new watercraft I heard you purchased? I, there is no, <clears throat> there's no new watercraft. The watercraft was a paddleboard for Nora. Yes. In any case, uh, <laughs> that has no validity whatsoever. Because on Dopey, there have been many, many minorities on, on Dopey telling their stories. And on top of that, these, quote, very rich white guys... I don't think there's said, been that many minorities on Dopey, unless you count Jews. There hasn't, we haven't well, had enough, enough people of color on Dopey. Listen, I, I, and I'm, I'm, you know what, and I think, I, you know, if you try to get to the bottom of that, you certainly had, you had as many, and it certainly had lots and lots of women, and I wish that uh, Dr. Nzinga Harris would be back on more often. Her name is I, Harrison, Dr. Harrison. Harrison, okay. She hasn't been on in a while, and, and she's, she was terrific. And I don't think it's, it's your, I don't think it's Dopey's fault. That unless you're supposed to run out and find people, mm -hmm. you know, of minorities, you know, to interview, which maybe you should do, I guess. But but they maybe maybe there's a reason. There's a reason why uh, they're not responding to Dopey. I don't know. I have no idea. But in the other case of this quote opulent Manhattan apartment, yes, every single episode, yes. I, I mean, I wish you, you keep saying you, were grow, you grew up in public housing, speaking not to everybody. It's, it's not public housing. It was a housing project developed for policemen, teachers, firemen, people who couldn't afford to, to be in Manhattan with, you know, in terms of wealthy, wealthy apartments, in terms of high-rent apartments. Dad, you know, what, you know what's interesting, Dad? Yeah. The guest on the show today grew up in Penn South, too, and now she's one of the real housewives of New York. No. Really? 
Yep. You'll, you'll hear all about it when you go back and listen to the episode. I think you've responded to this, this review enough times in your life that we can put it to bed for a while until, <laughs> until DopeyCon, when I hope New York City Sarah takes my invitation and, and confronts you. Yeah, but I also want to make a statement, which is obviously so true. Yes. That this drug stuff, this fentanyl, this stuff, it's killing everybody. Yes. It doesn't depend upon race right. or, or wealth or status. It's killing everybody. It, yes. It's, you know, it's, it's certainly it's, it's certainly something that uh, is, n- is not, quote, unquote, for wealthy white people. This is, this is uh, amazing. It has, not the, it has nothing to do with privilege. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And David was not raised with privilege. He was, uh, because he complains about how he was raised, but that's another story. But um, <laughs> I mean, Dad, I, but I, I was raised with privilege, Dad. I totally well, was. Were, I mean, besides were, having you guys for parents, besides were, that, it was a lot of privilege. Well, right, but your dad is saying that you were not wealthy. No, but I was. I mean, and there's, I don't, and I don't, then, we don't need to go down the privilege rabbit hole right now. Well, if, if no, we're going to point out, like, you know, we're going to get. Talk I had about it pretty the language good. being used. No, I had it pretty good, you know, in terms of being like a white guy in Manhattan, uh, you know, incredibly yeah. handsome, brilliant, really funny and charismatic. I had a lot of privileges yeah. going on in this world, you know? Very humble. Yeah, very humble guy, too. I don't know, but uh, I don't know why that matters when it comes to a podcast that's helping people It doesn't, but with my addiction. Da- but and my- this woman clearly is hung up on pointing out this issue and it's kind of like start your own podcast right that's, I don't what, know. that's the best that's thing all to say. i have to say i was just saying when my dad when, when my dad said that i didn't come up with privilege i i did but yes lady new york city sarah i agree with linda go start your own podcast doesn't matter if you were or if you weren't the point is what are you doing Besides jumping online and, besides, and, and, and complaining. I, well, he's, he's, so, she's, she's getting angry at my dad, which I love. Well, I don't like that. I really like it. And I love how upset my dad gets by it. I love all of it. Well, well, listen, you, you have to understand that I'm, I'm pretty, I was the first person in the whole family who ever went to college. Uh, right. It, 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 so, and, and if you I saw guess, if you saw the way my father grew up, he grew up in a two-bedroom apartment with five people, and uh, and they what did they do when you played the trumpet? They they paid you to stop playing. What was the story uh, with that? Joke. It was that's my joke. It's my saxophone. <laughs> the neighbors had it, so they didn't have to hear me play. The now, neighbors paid was, for you to no, stop, or your parents did. Well, I'm sorry. Is it did the neighbors pay you to stop, or the or your parents? The joke is that the neighbors would have paid for me to stop. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Dad, enough with this whole thing. <laughs> Why don't you tell the Dopey Nation how excited you are about uh, DopeyCon? Oh, yeah. Listen, uh, by the way, um, there are hundreds of hotels within one mile of, of the Holy Apostles Church, if that's the venue that's finally going to be, 28th Street and 9th Avenue. It's going to be very, very easy for you to look up Many, many hotels. Some of them are really expensive. I'm trying to get a group rate. Group rate. I'm still trying, but right now it's, uh, it's amazing how, how, how much things cost. But it's still possible you know, to find something reasonable, I think. We are also doing some games. We're doing a couple game show segments at DopeyCon. One of the game show segments is going to be Win Alan's Money. What, where, where they win whatever <laughs> money my dad has in his pockets. Hold on. And an, what, what are you talking about? 
we're doing game shows at this at the at DopeyCon, and one of the prizes, whatever money you have on you. So I would not bring too much money. And another prize, my dad is dying to bring people from DopeyCon to his apartment and show oh, them. He, he's dying to do it. He acts like he doesn't want to. He goes, oh, maybe they'll want to come see the place. The Dopey Tour. Yeah, he wants, he wants. So maybe a winner of the, the game show will be able to go see your place as a prize, Dad. Well, uh, you know what? That's perfectly fine. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, Alan's the best. All you right. Take so, him see the opulent Manhattan apartment. Right. Your opulent uh, apartment. Dad, you want to say something nice before we go? Because it's been the end of another exciting episode of Dopey. Well, I, I want to say, everybody, please stay healthy out there, and toodles to Chris. And Linda, thank you for coming on. Leah McSweeney, you were a, a, a joy to have on the show. And uh, everybody out there, uh, rest in peace, Ryan Leone. Mm. And uh, stay strong, everybody, and fucking toodles for Chris. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad. Bad desire's all I ever had. And I want to take a ride up in the sky. Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had and my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind When I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I wanna be good so bad Wanna be good so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had these suckers make me mad and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had 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 and these suckers make me mad and it's all I ever had and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had and it's all I ever had